We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, Roto-Grinders? One last time, NFL Pick 6 Show, divisional round, as always, two of the absolute best in the business. You got Rich Rebar, sharp football analysis, you know, the worksheets. John Daigle, the biggest free agent since LeBron James and his decision. <laughs> We're doing it. We're talking, uh, you know, down to eight teams. Uh, I guess we'll take a peek back as far as what happened wild card weekend as well. But, uh, yeah, it's the Pick 6 Show, not six games to focus on as it was last week. It's four. We'll talk about the four main games in the slate. There's four main games. There's four games playing. I know Fandle kind of like uh, prioritized like two and two as opposed to four. Uh, but, you know, you guys do. can figure it out. Come on. Like, uh, really? There are contests on Fandle where you can play, uh, you know, all four games. Uh, they're a little bit smaller. but uh, And I imagine people are going to be playing a variety of slates. And you can sort of figure it out on your own when it comes to the analysis. But, uh, yeah, I heard Ritz chiming in. I'm guessing you don't like that. I don't like that either. You know, give us the give us the big slate. Give us more choices. More choices means, you know, uh, if you know what you're doing, if you're sharp, you know, uh, the more choices, the harder it is to get lucky, I suppose. But um, yeah, Rich, welcome, welcome to the show one last time for the NFL Pick Six show before you step aside and sign off for the year. It's been a, it's been a good year, you know. The NFL, they, we didn't score points for the first, you know, two months of the season, which was cool. But uh, it, all in all, we we made do with what we had to work with. Had a lot of fun. Uh, we, we had a profitable season. Hopefully we can send it out with uh, some good betting and, you know, DFS plays on the way out here. But it's, it's it's always bittersweet when we get to this point. I'm happy to have the time off and get some, like, more stuff in that's not football-related. But uh, also, it, 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 I like doing football stuff, too. I don't have the other sports like you, Dean. You're just, you just never stop. You just go from one to the next. Yeah. You know, we're grinding basketball right now. Of course, we do the show five times a week. Uh, you know, seven days a week, actually. I'm not on the show on the weekends. But – Talking basketball, Roto-Grinders, uh, you know, that's why you hit the like, that's why you subscribe, that's why you turn on the notifications if you're on the YouTube. But, uh, yeah, baseball, not too far away. What's it, 70 days or so until baseball kicks in? You're ready for baseball season, uh, Rich. You got that the Cleveland hat, you're rocking. I feel like a World then, Series just happened. Did it just happen? <laughs> it's it's a long season, man. Well, it's like six months plus, right? And then the playoffs are extended. 
So uh, yeah, and then there's winter ball. Some guys play winter ball, and they're playing they're playing baseball all the time. Uh, John, uh, what's up, John? Your thoughts as far as anything that we kind of look back as far as the wild card weekend? Uh, anything that's worth pointing out? We tend to move forward, but uh, looks like the Cowboys are are uh, going to be keeping their coach. That just broke as about an hour or so for whatever that's worth. But any big takeaways before we move on and talk about the the four gamer, the the eight teams Gosh. that are still remaining? This is not the medium, but I could talk about the Cowboys for hours and hours because what a fascinating organization. Like At least Browns fans, Com- Commanders fans have no expectation. Browns fans know they're cursed. The Cowboys, it's just <laughs> the same thing every year. This offseason of sports radio in Dallas is just going to be regurgitated about is Mike McCarthy the head coach? Is Dak Prescott an elite quarterback? They're just going to copy and paste the same topics because that wasn't even a loss. That was a humiliation. Uh, man, what a game. What a game. It looked a lot better in the box score for Dallas because that was not a 14-point 14, 14 loss. That was, no. oh, was 48-32, I think, was the final score. Is that sound about right? But uh, yeah. I think it was, it was, it was 41-16 to 16 going into the fourth quarter. Yep. The first yeah. the first drive, Dak and CD were racing their hands at, each other, at one another, and I was like, oh, no, like here it goes again. Man, what a, what a crazy outcome. People are rolling out their stats of Dallas, you know, in the playoffs. And, like, I don't think Tony Romo has anything to do with, like, Dallas collapsing this week. But right. people like to do that. You know, it's like this isn't – whatever, Tony I Romo. I thought we had at least one more week for sure. Uh, credit to the Packers. We'll talk about the Packers, obviously. But, uh, yeah, they, they the Cowboys expedited the process for us, right? And one thing we can say about this Cowboys team, the 2023 version, is when they fail, they go all in. They went mm-hmm. all in when they fail. Like, they don't half-step. Like, they – they commit. They commit to the bit if they're gonna when they fail. No half year. measures. Full and, measures. <laughs> and you look at you look at Dak's worst games this year, and it was against the Niners at Miami, at the Bills, and then this one at home against the Packers. Uh, Mike McCarthy only has one more deal year left on his deal. I assumed he would be back, honestly, because there was no good way to turn. You couldn't. They thought this entire time they were going to give it to Dan Quinn. You couldn't give it to Dan Quinn for a lot of reasons, but especially after that game. I don't know who else you would want over Mike McCarthy. I know there are a lot of people yelling about Bill Belichick, but the best coach the Cowboys have had in the last 30 years in Bill Parcells, like there's a reason why he's gone. And it's because of the ego trip Jerry Jones is still on to this very day, which Mike McCarthy actually handles really well. Um, Man, it was everything from the top down. Like this, they've actually been really good. Will McClay drafting the last decade too. This draft class gave them absolutely nothing, and that includes uh, Luke Schoonmaker in this game, who dropped that big first down in the first half. The the first round Mossy Smith defensive tackle that they drafted for this reason to stop the run to anchor the trenches only played seven snaps, I believe it was in this game. It was just a disaster all the way down, man. Jake in the chat is saying Vrabel. I guess Vrabel is one of the big hot, uh, you know, free agent coaches out there. Belichick one is weird. We'll, we'll get past this. Obviously, this is not the platform for it. But yeah, there's a I whole, whole offseason of this. I don't understand like why everybody thinks like 72 year old Bill Belichick is the answer to a lot of questions that are. It's like I, I don't I don't really get it. You know, he might still be able to coach or whatever, but that's not. I also wish they would just wait till the season ended for all this stuff, right? Like. Just, just wait till the season ends and do all this. Like, why do we have to like you know do like virtual calls with guys that are still playing, like Ben Johnson? Like, just let everyone have an even landscape. Mm-hmm. But they would be having conversations like uh, you know, sure. yeah, 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 yeah. So like, there's no way, there's no way of preventing it. But that's a, that's a good point. All right. Uh, anything else we we should point out here, Rich? Oh, I do want to mention the listener league, listener league winner. We had a uh, a repeat winner 
two-time winner, Steeler Nation 60, put up a 221-point score, a massive, Damn. massive score. And by the way, uh, he went uh, heart, no, no, no heart. He, he punted the heart, head over heart, Steeler Nation 60. I assume a Steeler fan, I don't know. No Steelers, no Steelers in that lineup, very sharp. He uh, knew. Head, head over heart. <laughs> he knew. So what a month free of RG Premium. We're all going to run this just one last time. Uh, a lot of people are probably joining the contest because it gets uh, regenerated and just thrown in your DK mail inbox. That's how I get it every single week. I'm going to try to put a stop to that, like after this going forward, because going forward after this one week, we're no longer going to do it. I'm not going to be in the league. I'm, I'm guessing you guys aren't either. There's no I wasn't in it last week, unfortunately. Yeah, I finished fifth. I, I was on the Family Feud board, but you know that that's worth nothing because there's no movie. There's no movie. I to totally discuss. forgot. I totally Going forgot forward. about it. Would you have? Track. Would you have scored high in that no. slate? Okay. You no. probably wouldn't have beat Steeler Nation. Two twenty one is a no, hell of a no. score. That was a monster. A monster I had, number. I had so much Jaden Reed in that slate that even Aaron Jones and Jake Ferguson, I lost money on. That's how much Jaden Reed zeros I played. He pulled a Kaiser Soze on us, right? We'll talk about that. He just flat out disappeared. Uh, he was zero, right? Yeah, I think he put zero uh, zero receptions. Zero. Yeah, wasn't on the field. We'll talk about it. Yeah, that was that was pretty interesting. I think that's probably in part, and I, I'm not the hand of the dirt guy, but the Dan Quinn just like not adjusting to what the the Packers were doing as far as uh, the formations and all that. But hey, we'll get into that. Yeah, um, they could. They didn't have any yeah. players available. To say it was <laughs> it was Dan Quinn not signing anyone of size after Leighton Vanderesh got injured. Uh, they had just no one. They have no one that can play that personnel at all. Well, you might get somebody back here as far as the very first game. The Texans. The Texans are at the Ravens. 43 and a half is a total. Baltimore is a nine and a half point favorite. Uh, Noah Brown is going to be out for Houston, but it feels like there's a pretty good chance that we get Mark Andrews back in our lives uh, for the Ravens. Back uh, faster than I think most people suspected. John, I'll start with you. Uh, Houston coming off a super impressive win there against that Cleveland you know, team that was driven by defense. I know there was some pick six stuff too. It kind of inflated their total score, but Houston was really impressive at home. Now they got to go on the road in Baltimore. Weather, by the way, uh, it's yellow according to Roth, cold and breezy. You know, it's Baltimore and it's January, so it's not going to be spectacular. But you know, don't want to freak out about weather on a Wednesday night. Not really going to get into it. Probably not what we were anticipating. What we're going to see last week. So, uh, yeah, and, and, and nothing. Back. And obviously they moved the game last week and the Chiefs game like it was cold. But like there was like that game from like a pass. It like what didn't hinder like a lot of things no. that happened in the game. Uh, Tua, no. Tua and the Dolphins weren't scoring in that game, regardless <laughs> of the weather. Yeah, that was a rough. I mean, Miami just really sputtered and just too many injuries. They just caught up with them, especially defensively. Uh, it was uh, it was pretty rough. Miami, uh, similar to Philly, I guess. One of the best teams in the first half of the season just kind of kind of fell off the table. Are you a Dolphins fan, Dean? I am. I, I'm. I grew up in South Florida. I, you know, I'm a Heat fan. I'm a Panthers fan. But I was not a Dolphins fan when I was a kid. I was a Houston Oilers fan. Houston Oilers have disappeared on us. Another no thing. I did not jump back to Miami, but I'll tell you, I'm not a Dolphins fan. A lot of my friends are, so I hear them complain about the Dolphins or get excited about the Dolphins. Mostly complaining. As you can imagine, in the last thirty years. Well, they now but, are the they now have the longest drought, uh, the longest playoff drought in the NFL that the Lions won. Yeah, um, but I also I think they're a lot of fun. Like they're fun, and I love McDaniel. So like I kind of root for them now, which they're, is weird. They're not far away given how their defense played when everyone was healthy, Jalen Ramsey included, and the fact they still have Mike McDaniel. Tua can be Jared Goff. That's what I liken him to because like as long as everything 
around him is great. He can help elevate the offense still like Goff has shown. Uh, I still think they need one third receiver to not make the target share so condensed between two guys, even though those two guys are world beaters and Waddle and Tyreek Hill. But Dolphins aren't as far as away. Oh, not to mention the the trench injuries as well. Like we talk about their defense and that's only because at the end of the year, it overshadowed their entire offensive line missing as well. So it was just a lot of wrong things for Miami this year that I can't imagine happens again all at one time next year. Lots of hot takes. You can imagine on my, uh, my group uh, messaging, you know, Tua is the worst, get rid of Tua too. And like, that's on Twitter too. And it, nobody, everybody's overreacting to Tua. And it's like, dude, the line stinks. You know, their defense isn't good. The, the There's nothing football fan likes more than fire the coach and fire the quarterback. The like, moment the, the first big loss happens, yeah. They love it. Yeah, yeah. Football so, fans I mean, are the first two things, man, always. People just want to say – I mean, I, and I don't know if he's quote-unquote it, but I'm like to say he's not it is just kind of a silly right. reactionary. That's, that's yeah. the experience I had, Dean, in my – group chats you know being from dallas it's it's all right uh, now just take the blank face at quarterback like who cares about dak despite being a top 10 quarterback and to be fair like they don't have a choice anyways because dak is this 60 million cap hit looming over him that he's going to take plus a no trade clause so he's not going anywhere anyways but every fan in dallas right now would really just take whatever else including trey lance and cutting dak outright do you have a lot of Cowboys fandom or are you kind of indifferent? I never really talked about uh, it. Nah, I don't know what you're talking about. We're yeah. working this job. You start cheering for for people to win, first of all, based <laughs> on your suggestions, and then also money and betting. Like that's the two things I care about. You just kind of lose the, in my opinion, the team fanhood. And I now just cheer for players getting paid. Yeah. Rich, you're similar. I know you're in Cleveland now. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I grew up a 49ers fan too. So it's like, it was, you know, I knew I was completely out when they made the Super Bowl against the Chiefs a couple years ago. I felt absolutely nothing. I was like, yeah, I've completely absolved of all this. And it feels very freeing to not care uh, either, <laughs> to just care about my profits. I see the dude in the crowd, like, the, the, you know, you ever see the Raiders crowd, like the 40, 50, not even the judge anybody. I'm just like, I just, yeah, I don't, I don't blame anyone. I'm so far apart from that. Do, do you, man. Yeah, enjoy I'm, it. Man. I'm yeah. never a yuck anyone's young guy. Do you, man. <laughs> Have <laughs> a good time, man. <laughs> I just, I'm so far removed from like caring that much, but like, I, I'm like, how does this person care this much? <laughs> on, well, on that's Sunday, great. On Let Sunday night, it did cut to the guy in Ford Field with whiskers painted on. He was wearing cat ears. I was like, yeah, man, that's awesome. Good for you. Good I wish him. I felt that. The, the, the guy that has a season ticket holder for Detroit for like 60 years, they, they that kind of cool. focused on that guy. He's he's seen a lot for sure. A lot yeah, he, of, was, he was asleep the whole game. Like, he, he was <laughs> Somebody nudged him and said, yeah, we're, I mean, we're, we're, we're going to be fair, next if, week. You, if you tuned into the second half, you would be asleep too. Yeah. <laughs> Good All for right. them though. Good for Detroit. Like I said, now it's on the Dolphins, which just feels weird because uh, – I'm trying to think of like the Dolphins, like their last win was what? Like the Lamar Smith game? Like the 200-yard Lamar Smith game? He had a walk-off touchdown. You know, Lamar Smith walk-off touchdown versus the Colts, I believe, in mm-hmm. like a wild think- card game uh, on the, on the ground. Like he ran like a 30 or 40-yard touchdown. That's probably the last time they won a playoff game. That sounds about right. Uh, definitely, yeah, Lamar Smith so like dates the story. Houston <laughs> and Baltimore. Let's talk about it. John, I'll throw it to you. Oh, yeah. Uh, Texans We're here to Baltimore. talk about yeah. four games upcoming this week. Yeah, not <laughs> everything. Uh, there was a comment last week, too, about how our pandering has gotten not worse, but we pander a lot more in the playoffs. And it's like, yeah, there's there's only six games to talk about. Like, what else are we going to do besides do one-off conversations in between all the conversations? <laughs> but I want to start with the Ravens side because Lamar is one of 
four quarterbacks. I understand there's only four games. I'm trying to whittle it down the four quarterbacks I want to play in this four-game slate. Lamar is certainly one of them because a lot like we talked about with Joe Flacco last week and just stepping back and taking the overall product into account. This Texan secondary the past two games now have run into Gardner Minshew, who they didn't even need to throw the ball. Minshew didn't do good, five and a half yards per attempt, but the Colts didn't need to throw the ball because surprisingly, uh, Zach Moss and Jonathan Taylor were running all over them in that game. And then, of course, last week's performance from Flacco. But out of their bye from week eight on, before those two games, the Texans were still allowing seven and a half yards per attempt, which ranked 30th in the league, 14 and a half percent rate of gains at 15 plus yards to the air, which ranked 27th. So they were still a very poor pass defense. And I do know they've gotten a lot healthier these past two games as well. So maybe that's the reason it's clicked. But then here comes Lamar Jackson, who still leads the league in yards per attempt under pressure as well. So to me, given the fact that this stretch over the second half of the season, only JT and Moss were able to run against uh, the Texans. I would think it still has to get done through the air here. So I do love Lamar in this game. Uh, not only that, but the Texans did show something a little frisky last week in allowing Derek Stingley to shadow Amari Cooper for a majority of his snaps. Up until last week, Derek Stingley had only played four snaps from right cornerback. He usually stayed glued to the left side of the field, but he moved all over last week. And if that's the case, and I don't even know if that's the case, but if that's the case again this week and he gets stuck on someone like Odo Beckham and Zay Flowers, I hope it's not recency bias with Jordan Love. But I do kind of think when when you know you start talking about how to attack this slate uniquely, I do kind of like Lamar Jackson with double tight end and Isaiah Likely and Mark Andrews. Uh, we we didn't, we only saw them overlap for ten games this year. And they only called a pass play rate from two tight end sets at the 24th highest rate. But I think Isaiah likely showed enough not to Mark Andrews getting in a full practice and fully expecting to play now where they're probably both going to be heavily involved against this Texan scheme. And if that's the case, the Texans haven't allowed consistent production, but they've still like had their top blown off by tight ends, allowing nine and a half yards per catch. So to me, that's kind of like the first unique thing Maybe a weird way to start off the show, but that's the way I view it. Yeah, Rich, I was going to ask, like, what do we expect? And it's hard to guess. And maybe we'll get more news on this as far as snap count for Andrews. Um, Andrews coming again, 5K on DK, likely at 4-7. Double tight end, Baltimore would definitely be a way to be different on this slate and pair it with Lamar. Uh, Lamar probably not going to be terribly owned on DK, just kind of the way salary stuff works. Mm-hmm. He'll be more owned on Fandle, easier to make work on Fandle. Uh, Rich, what do you got as far as that thought? Yeah, and I don't. I feel like a lot of people might just like cross them both out because they don't know and just kind of shrug uh, when it comes to Andrews unlikely, but maybe, maybe lean in on, uh, you know, not knowing how they're going to handle that. Yeah. I, I would imagine everything I've seen from, uh, you know, all the Twitter doctors has been like the 10 week mark is like where he should be expected to be a hundred percent. So even if he plays, I'd imagine it's like high leverage stuff, you know, red zone, third downs, you know, passing stuff, uh, you know, kind of, kind of that's where we'll see Andrews. And some likely mix and like likely was already on like a heater that seemed very unsustainable though. Yeah. Like he's he's getting there by like a lot of long touchdowns and like some fluky some fluky stuff a little bit. So like the like the targets weren't really there. His target share wasn't really there. Uh, maybe that that just hangs on and he just like has that kind of talent where he's always able to be just score a long touchdown. Um, the Ravens passing him is just tricky to figure out, right? Because you know the 
These guys, no, no one really commands a high target share. Zay Flowers has extremely wonky splits with and without Mark Andrews on the field. And it's like almost an identical sample size in terms of routes run. Uh, he he has just one touchdown with Mark Andrews on the field this season. He has no end zone targets with Mark Andrews on the field. And then uh, with Mark Andrews off the field, he has four end zone targets, four touchdowns. Kind of gives him his, his – what's interesting is his air yards actually go up with – Mark Andrews on the field as opposed to when he's off the field, but he gets shrunk down and gets all these like bunny targets with him off the field. But we've seen say far as he has one game this year where he's gone really over 80 yards. Like it's, we, we kind of know that experience, right? Like there hasn't been like a really large ceiling for him. And I don't think that there particularly is going to be one here in this game either for him. Um, it, it really kind of is just all Lamar Jackson on the Raven side. And you just look at it from, a perspective just having him healthy the difference in this team i mean since they've drafted him they're 59 and 22 when he starts 8 and 13 in games that he hasn't started the past years or three and seven games without, without him uh they they won 10 games this year against teams with a winning record it was the most in the nfl they won six games against playoff teams tied for the most in the nfl like this is just a, a really good team in a really good spot uh, against the team that they've already beat. We've already seen three of these four games, too, that we're getting this weekend. You know, 49ers-Packers, the only game we haven't seen. This game happened all the way back in week one, so we're not going to take a lot from it in C.J. Stroud's first start. But we've seen rookie quarterbacks in Baltimore just kind of go by the wayside. I mean, they're two rookie quarterbacks in Baltimore since they've had John Arbar, 2-17, and 0-2 uh, in the playoffs. Andrew Luck was the last rookie quarterback to face them in the playoffs. Uh, Baker Mayfield's the only quarterback – a rookie quarterback throw more than one touchdown pass in Baltimore uh, in all of those starts. Uh, and we've seen CJ Stroud, you know, he, he answered the call. He's going to have to answer another one this week. Uh, he's had really wild splits against, you know, at home and then against top 10 defenses. So we'll see what kind of sticks this week uh, at home, 307 passing yards per game, 9.2 yards per pass, 20 passing touchdowns, seven games on the road. CJ Stroud's averaged 231 passing yards, 7.3 yards per pass attempt six passing touchdowns. He's faced three other top 10 pass defenses on the road this year, the Ravens, the Jets, and the Panthers. And in those games, 5.2 yards per pass attempt, zero touchdowns in those games. So obviously Stroud's a guy, we, we see the trajectory. We believe he's going to be one of the, the better quarterbacks in the NFL, but it's just another you know wall he's got to knock down and kind of show us. You mentioned those splits there with Andrews. Uh, you know, talking about Andrews and, jeez, uh, the receiver. I'm losing his name for some reason. Wow, is he flowers? Yeah. How real do you think that is? Is that just like small sample stuff, or do you think it's totally legit when it comes to the goal I think lines? Both. Stuff? I mean, to, to not have yeah. zero, to have not have one end zone target when a guy is on, that means you're probably not a first read, right? Like you're not a you're not a first read guy. Uh, yeah. So I, I definitely, and we're talking a 260 route sample. You know, 260 routes, not one end zone target with Mark Andrews on the field. I've been wrong so much. I had Lamar like the worst times this year. And like, I can't tell how many times Lamar feels like he's gotten siphoned at the goal line with Gus Edwards. Uh, if yeah, I'm we didn't talk playing, about the running backs either. So I don't like playing Gus as a general rule. I just don't like playing running backs. And I think like most people like that, like basically they have to score touchdowns. They're not going to catch the football. Like, certainly he can do that. He can run for 100, 100 yards. He can get in the end zone three times on the ground and siphon every one of those goal, goal line touchdowns. And it's so tilting when you have Lamar. Um, yeah, how much run defense too? Uh, they didn't. The Ravens in the first game ran for three touchdowns, but they was all goal line stuff. Like they didn't run the ball at, at all in that game. Like from an efficiency stand, I think we're all probably 
looking at our lineup or looking at the winning lineup whenever Kareem Hunt scored those two touchdowns too. <laughs> but I'm sure everyone noticed when he had two touchdowns, he still only had 16 fantasy points because he wasn't yeah. doing anything. He was literally just falling forward for touchdowns. So it's just a hard spot, man. Even when you get there, like you don't really get there against Houston's front seven. The Colts are the only ones to do it. The last two games that the Ravens played, Justice Hill played really well, too, to kind of throw, like, an extra wrench into things. He put, he was awesome in both games, not the Week 18 game. I kind of throw that out. But the 49ers game and the uh, the game after that, uh, um, it's, uh, it's alluding to who they played. Miami? Yeah, Miami. He was awesome in that game, too. So he's a, And then we don't know if they're ever going to dust off Dalvin Cook. But the, but Justice yeah. Hill played well. He already had the passing down stuff anyways. He's already playing those snaps. Even with Keith Mitchell, like he was the roadblock for Keith Mitchell, you know, when everyone wanted Keith Mitchell to be a thing, is like he's not stealing those snaps from Justice Hill. They trust him in that role. He had ten targets that Pittsburgh game. It didn't matter. That's pretty interesting. But five, uh, he caught five of five versus Miami and three of three versus San Fran. Like you're talking about, got in the box. I think at least once there versus Miami. He had some big uh, plays too, like real big plays. How many lineups do you make it until you until you have Justin uh, until you have Hill in your pool? On Saturday only? No, no, no. All four. <laughs> You're, that's a good okay. loophole, though. I think that answered the question. <laughs> yeah. Saturday I'm, only probably, is it? Yeah. I mean, the large field stuff, you can get goofy, right? Because you're shooting for the top. And, right. That, and that's, I mean, I don't know. But you, that, that's just not the stuff I concentrate on. I don't think, Rich, you concentrate on that either. You're, you're more like the, the single entry, three entry, max stuff. And, uh, yeah, if you're playing the, the, the so-called lottery with, like, 40,000 entries, like, sure. I guess he, right. certainly he'll can score two touchdowns. But understand, like, it's not the best math play, but that's not necessarily what you're doing on a four-gamer. Hey, John, you said you like four quarterbacks. Uh, I'm guessing that one of those four quarterbacks is not Stroud? It is not Stroud. It's also, uh, you know, Rich mentioned some great stats, but it's also just because, like, the Ravens aren't the defense that have allowed a single ceiling performance all year. No quarterback has reached 300 yards against them. No quarterback has scored 24 points against fantasy points against them. It... It came close with Stafford in that amazing game, but he did fall just short of 300 yards because they didn't get the ball back in overtime. Um, it is funny because maybe C.J. Stroud, like C.J. Stroud is that guy, and you know he's proven us wrong time and time again. So if he got over this spot, it, it wouldn't be like the most shocking thing in the world. I think it'd be pretty shocking. But also, like the two last games the Ravens played in full were more against were against you know system quarterbacks being elevated by the players around them. Uh, Brock Purdy and Tua, they picked them off six times. Whereas even C.J. Stroud really hasn't been that turnover guy, whether his offensive line was injured, whether his receivers were injured. The Texans have a league-low 14 turnovers on offense, 14 giveaways. And C.J. Stroud's five picks this year just came in three collective games. So I don't think it's really a spot where like the Ravens defense dominates. To me, the outlook was really that I don't know how the Texans defense stops Lamar through the air. Yeah. Um, Rich, you gave us stats about Stroud. Like I know the rookie stats, that's pretty interesting. He's like, he's still, he's like not a rookie anymore. Right. Like I know he's a rookie, but not really at this point. He's, yeah, he's a rookie. No. But, but yeah. also, I mean, we've seen still like, I mean, the, the road stuff I think has been pretty solid for him. You know, that, that stuff's all happened. It's just another test, right? Like it's just another thing to knock down. Everything gets tighter. Uh, divisional rounds historically, like have been a big under round anyways. Like these yeah. games are typically tight. Favorites have like a really awesome record, but they don't cover the spread a lot. Like, uh, so yeah, I pulled some stuff on this for just like the intro to the article, but you know, since the NFL went to the 32 teams, uh, 
favorite teams, 56-28 record. Uh, they were three and one a year ago, but those teams have covered their 37 and 47 against the spread. The last time all four favorites covered in the divisional round, you have to go all the way back to 2006. Uh, and we've had at least two underdogs cover the point spread in the divisional round every year since 2017. So some of these games might end up being close. We have three big spreads in yeah. out of the four games. Uh, obviously Saturday's games in particular, the two larger spreads. Those are ones you maybe do your traditional teaser with, right? Like you bring both those teams in, uh, you know, bring both the Ravens and 49ers in instead of laying those big numbers. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, listen, Stroud, we all believe he's on that trajectory. I just have a lot of respect for the Ravens defense. We did see the last week with Stroud and Jordan Love in particular that, listen, if your quarterback outplays the other quarterback, you're <laughs> probably going to win in the NFL. I mean, it, it, that was tried and true for five of the six teams. Probably the only game you can kind of question where two of the quarterbacks were kind of equal or maybe the, the loser played better was Stafford and Goff. Um, but the other games were very clear and decisive. One quarterback was objectively better than the other quarterback, and those teams all are playing this weekend. So running some optimal stuff, uh, a lot of the Lions, a lot of the cheap Lions receivers, and I'm on Raw, Lions receivers look to be very popular. Uh, the, the stuff that I have here on a Wednesday night, and like Josh Reynolds looks like, looks like the most popular play, uh, the most popular play, landing in my DK optimals. Um, I'm trying to – find ways to get different. Uh, even Jamison Williams hitting some stuff, Houston receivers, any of these cheap, I know, I know Collins, obviously spectacular. Got to pay for He's keep playing Collins, man. Cause he probably is going to be yeah. still like, a, I mean, he's still probably like last week will come in under own for his opportunity. I mean, his opportunity is just so massive. Uh, yeah. you know, he's, he's now run 201 routes this season with CJ Stroud in the field and tank Dell off the field. 3.8 yards per outrun, 35% of the team targets, 47% of the team air yards, been targeting 30% of his routes. His last five games with Stroud, seven for 104 and a touchdown, nine for 191 and a touchdown, seven for 80, nine for 195 and a touchdown, six for 96. Like these are crooked numbers, like big ass numbers. And we've seen he has like he has like slate tilting potential. No one like like Dago said, like we're, the Ravens haven't given up like any of these ceiling games. Uh, you know, just we haven't seen those front end opportunities, but like if you were going to take a shot like on anyone, I think still that he's like that, he's the guy in that offense. Yeah, I was just kind of thinking salary wise, uh, and I love Collins too, and like he's, he's awesome run back if you're playing Lamar or something like that. Um, Mechie is questionable, but like it looks like he's probably going to play coming off his best game of the season, which it's a low, 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 low bar. Uh, Dell obviously out, uh, Brown now out. If you had to pick one of these cheapies among Woods and Mechie, and I, I don't know if you want to add Hutchinson in the conversation, who who would that be? No, nothing. Yeah. I just don't I don't see Stroud having a large enough counting stat game to like make a lot of those guys viable. Like you're just asking me like which one of those dudes luck boxes into a touchdown at that point. You know. Yeah. And you and who's who wants to guess that, right? Like I know the ball is going to Collins. Yeah. Yeah, and Singletary, he's going to get the opportunity, but like yeah. you don't necessarily want him. But the volume's going to be there as long as this game stays relatively close. Like that backfield is essentially his. Uh, We've seen he, the Ravens' run defense be kind of wishy-washy. To be fair, they've faced some really good running backs like of late. Like you know, they've allowed a hundred-yard rusher in five of their past eight games, and like you do see the list, and you're like Kyron Williams, Christian McCaffrey, even Achan. You're just like, oh, those guys are all pretty good. So like, does you know Singletary's been a solid player? Is that is that going to happen? Where he really beat up the Ravens is in the passing game with running backs, and like we just still don't see any passing volume. Uh, Stroud is. 
30th in running back targets uh, as a quarterback because he does, he's smart and wants to get the ball to good players. <laughs> what do you got here, John? Anything else as far as uh, Houston and Baltimore? That's about it for me. Um, Ravens were all year long had been squeezing tight ends for the fewest fantasy points per game. Um, so even even with n- the Jeremy Mech- or Jerry Mechie in plus Robert Woods, I don't think it's a spot where I want to get to Dalton Schultz. And Brevin Jordan was really just that. It was a good scheme, but it was still just that one long catch. He was like 20 yards wide open, wasn't he, in that one play, give or take? And he was, it was ridiculous. He's a good player. Uh, I mean, he's an athlete. Scheme him up. All right. The second game on Saturday night. The I'll say if you like Lamar, uh, we didn't talk about him, but, I mean, do we think Odell gets more run now that they're in the playoffs? It's been two weeks. Well, no, it's been three weeks off, too. Yeah. Because they kind of were in preservation mode of them all year. I mean, he he's second on the team in target rate per out run. He, you know, he had a uh, – his 16 yards per catch were a career high. His, his yards per target were his best since 2015. Like, he gets money balls in this offense. Like, he's the money ball guy. Um, that's why we talked about, like, Zay Flowers stuff. Like, if you look at Zay yardage, it's like yardage lines. Like, he doesn't have a lot of high yardage games. He's, like, more of like a – he's not necessarily a possession catch guy for them, but, like – Beckham gets all the all the all the moon balls in this offense. Yeah, I, I feel like he's pretty well ahead of Bateman and Aguilar. And those guys are darks again, large field stuff. But um yeah, so you think the savings is significant enough where you like Beckham and Flowers is like more like the cash like safe game guy, say safe uh, safe play guy. Is that what you're talking about here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's been that's been all a year too. Okay. Green Bay. Green Bay at San Fran. San Fran well-rested. Nine-and-a-half point dog. Fifteen-and-a-half is the total here, John. Uh, We already kind of gave Green Bay their flowers to some degree, taking down Dallas. Uh, Super young receiver core. Just a young team altogether, the Packers. Uh, At San Fran, well-rested. CMC, you know what's waiting there for them in San Fran. But, uh, yeah, start where you ever want to start here, John, when it comes to the Packers at the Niners. We can start with the Brock Purdy side because uh, I just look at the, you know, it's the same thing Reeb said last week, actually, where we looked at the Packers defense and said they haven't played anyone. And then they played playoff Dak Prescott and they still haven't played anyone. But I'm just going to go right (laughs) back to that notion and say, okay, here comes Brock Purdy because these last, this last month, you know, Bryce Young, let's start there, had his best game all year against Joe Barry. And then for beyond that, they saw Jaron Hall, Nick Mullins, Justin Fields, which Rich called properly, and Joe Barry having his number. Um, and then last week against Dak and under pressure, those guys were absolutely miserable. And to their credit, the last three weeks, the Packers have be, been creating the sixth most pressure in the league. And those guys averaged five and a half yards per attempt through just two touchdowns. But even if you look at it that way, like they're going to get Brock Purdy under pressure, he's an entirely different quarterback. And now everyone's at full strength. Brock Purdy still finished the year, second in touchdown under pressure, third in yards per attempt. Um, he's been a monster. And so Brock Purdy's another one of those quarterbacks where I want to be ahead of and definitely play him in this game. One of my big four here, just thinking the Packers defense won't have an answer for, for the 49ers. Who's your favorite player to pair him with? Because it's just tricky trying to figure it out. You have a clear-cut guy. Of course, there's plenty of options. No. It's the same thing we do every single week. Unless Rich has a lead, I'm still literally tinkering with lineups to try and figure out uh, if, I, if I'm going to double stack with McCaffrey. I definitely want to play McCaffrey regardless in yeah. this game, but who else I want to play with him 
genuinely, I think it's going to come down to more salary restrictions and the cheapy guys I get to after this show. Rich, who's the guy? I, I do want to give Joe Barry a, a shout, though, uh, for last week. You know, he's a guy I've picked on a few times uh, for mm-hmm. sure. And obviously, like the Packers were the team, I thought definitely the least uh, probability to win last week. And uh, they just shoved it down my throat. Uh, I was lucky even to get Cowboys team total out of that, luckily for some garbage time. But, you know, when you look at what the Packers have done off uh, defensively, they've really mixed it up these past three weeks. And the way they attacked Dak Prescott was very unique. Uh, they just dropped back and played zone coverage. Daigle talked about them get, getting pressure into how bad Dak was. They didn't even pressure him. They had the lowest pressure rate in the in the, in the the league in the wild card round. It was web, they blitzed at the like well below uh, their rate. And we saw this in the, how the, they dictated what the Cowboys did early in that game. The Cowboys got to a lot of these third and longs because Dak was checking to runs. Dak kept checking to runs on the second. They just kept creating third and longs, and Joe Barry was able to get off the field. Uh, you know, are they going to be able to do that with the 49ers, right? Like, are you going to be able to stop this run game and not Tony Pollard uh, if, the, if you're going to invite them to pass? But I think he's going to mix it up uh, probably. But the problem is, what do you do against this 49ers team, right? It's a damned if you don't do, damned if you don't offense. Brock Purdy's been absolutely incredible against the Blitz this year. And if you want to just like invite teams to check the runs, they've got Christian McCaffrey, they've got Debo Samuel. We brought up, you know, the the splits with like the Rams when they had all their guys on the field and like their yards for play. When the 49ers have had Brock Purdy, Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, and George Kittle on the field, they've averaged seven and a half yards per play on offense. Like, wow, what do you do? Like, <laughs> what what do you do? Like, this team is built. Like, they, they've they've built to the, this team to this point. Uh, they are just a quandary, right? Because you can't even like. Even stuff with Debo, like, you know, you, you can have Debo line up in the backfield, but you have to respect Debo as a wide receiver. So if they're in, in like 11 personnel, which they don't play a lot of 11 personnel, but when they go to 11 personnel and they're able to put Debo in the backfield, you still have to defend that as 11 personnel, uh, you know, by going to either, you know, nickel or big nickel. And then they've got him in the backfield and they're able to do stuff with that. Like, it's just they've got all the weaponry, right? And when you look at the 49ers and like that three game losing streak they had, like, they didn't have Debo, Trent Williams, whoever we want to make excuses for, for Brock Purdy. But, like, this team, when it's been at full capacity, they have been an absolute just death star for the most part. Like, right? Like, they, they literally have. Like, it's the Ravens game is really the only thing we have where, like, this team has faltered. And, uh, yeah, I just – like, I don't know. There's some, some small signal stuff, like, where you can say, like, Brandon Ayuk has an advantage. I think George Kittle's in a good spot. But if you really want to play the 49ers, like, and just try to get every touchdown, you just play Purdy with McCaffrey. You just try to get every touchdown yeah. that way. CMC is 8 8 on DK, which seems too cheap. Uh, he's 10 8 on Fandle, which is much diff- much more difficult to get in. And like the Apple stuff I ran kind of spelled that story. CMC, the most popular uh, running back, hitting 60% of the 100 lineups that I created. Uh, and let's see, on Fandle, he's getting 10%, 10% ownership of the optimals I ran over there just because it's just really, really tricky to get him in there. Cash games on DK, not a question. Fandle, um, probably tough to make that work. I have not, you know, like literally try to build one out, but just looking at the optimal stuff, it seems like it's just going to hinder the rest of your lineup maybe a little bit too much. But, yeah, uh, CMC is certainly spectacular. Richie gave us those great stats, and just but just like mix and match, right? If you're not playing CMC and Purdy, you get an IOC lineup, get a Debo lineup, get a Kittle lineup. You can run doubles as well. Uh, what about runbacks as far as the Packers? The tricky thing, Rich, for the Packers, kind of tricky. Uh, or is it clear yeah. who the clear oh, receivers man, are? Even the is, tight ends are confusing. 
This is uh, bad. Uh, you look at last week, Jordan Love at 21 dropbacks. Uh, on those plays, Romeo Dubs, 16 routes. Dontavian Wicks, 13. Jaden Reed, 11. Christian Watson, 8. Bo Melton, 7. Everyone was on the field for at least 33% of the dropbacks. No one was over 76%. So it was last week the Romeo Dobbs game, but like we've seen, they've had three different 100-yard receivers in a row in three straight games. It is kind of oscillating all over the board. We do kind of know Dobbs is going to at least play the most snaps mm-hmm. and like the 49ers give up some outside stuff to wide receivers. We've seen that, but it is very hard. Like no one's getting a lot of targets here is the problem. And it's yeah. very hard to pay for those guys. Um, Watson, I would say uh, Reed and uh, Wicks have kind of like consistently been the two best players on a per target basis. But I mean, you, you're really grasping like where these targets go. I will say that they're going to throw a lot in this game. No, I do think they are going to have a lot of throws and, there could be some like stuff in the second half that could be fu- interesting. And Jordan Love's just been so good. I, I mean, I have a. What's funny is we talked about the Stroud versus Love stuff. I actually have a harder time discounting Love than I do Stroud. I mean, this is this dude is on an absolute tear, man. Like his nine, his last nine games, twenty-one touchdowns, one interception, and it's the stuff that you see from Love. It's the out of structure stuff, man. Like. This is the stuff that you can't win in the NFL. And this is like what happened with the Dolphins. And this is like the last hurdle people have for Tua, right? And Dangle compared him to maybe Jared Goff. Like you got to be able to win in today's NFL, like when the play structure doesn't win. And man, Jordan Love outside and Dan Quinn's third down play calling, like just constantly won out of structure on Sunday. And we've seen the 49ers, like as great as a defense they are. Like, they've had some moments this year, you know, guys like Josh Dobbs, Lamar Jackson, Kirk Cousins, Joe Burrow. Like, those guys had 20-point games. I think there's going to be a lot of dropbacks to the Packers. I think he probably – he hasn't bricked, like, for fantasy. Like, if you look, if you look at Love, he's had, like, two, two only two bad games all year, and the other games, like, are at least, like, there's been a high floor. If you're going to compare the two, I think the one edge Stroud has, if there's going to be one edge, you know what to pair him with. You know it's Collins, and that's that, yeah. right? And for Green Bay – it could be one of five or six guys. Uh, that's, that's a little bit trickier, I, I suppose. You want to work that angle. We we talked about it at the top of the show, hinted at, you know, the, the Packers went two tight end sets, literally played the most 12 personnel of any offense last week because they were having such an easy time running the ball against an undersized Cowboys defense. But I they didn't even what... run good in the first, like uh, in the first half, Aaron Jones had two yards per carry. The, and honestly, the the third quarter, it doesn't look this way since the Cowboys were down like 27-7, but the third quarter is really when the defense fell apart. And yeah. that's probably because the offense fell apart from kickoff. And well, the like, first the, half, it was all, they they forced third and longs, and then they've got Micah Parsons dropping in coverage. Dude, just imagine if, if that, that interception that Dak threw in the red zone wasn't dropped. Like it'd be the city's already burning to the ground, but Dak should have thrown three interceptions in yeah. that game. Uh, instead, it was a touchdown to Jake Ferguson on the next play. But in the first half, Jordan Love was winning on third downs, yeah. and that's why that game. Like I know Aaron Jones finished with his fourth straight hundred yard game, but mm-hmm. he had twelve carries for thirty five yards at halftime. Like, uh, no, but what I was going to say is, like you, I don't think the Packers can treat this game like this. Also, though, because. Uh, yeah. The 49ers defense is not that. That's why I also just assume yeah. Matt Floor knows this has got to be three wide sets. This has got to be passing the ball to get this done. And so I think I would chase. I like chasing the ghost of Jaden Reed, but I will definitely have at least one Packers wide receiver here thinking there's going to be three on the field the majority of the time. What about Watson? Came back from injury. You ran it down, Rich. Was it third or fourth amongst the wide receiver core? 
when it comes to running routes, but they didn't necessarily need him to do that late in the game. Maybe after a week of like being healthy, healthy-ish, and I know we've talked before on previous shows about Green Bay just kind of being slow when it comes to bringing their guys, ramping them up. Mm-hmm. But this is a winner go home. You have to win this game. I would say yeah. prioritize it. When he came back earlier in the year, he ran a route on 46% of the dropbacks. He ran a route on 38% on Sunday, and it was probably a blowout script. So it may have, if, if pressed, it might have been higher. Uh, and then the following week, he went up to 85%. I do think the emergence of Wicks probably yeah. reduces that a little bit. Because, listen, Dontavian Wicks, he's got four touchdowns the past three weeks. If you look at like a per-target basis, he's been their best receiver. Uh, 10 yards per target. He's over two yards per outrun. I think he's hard to take off the field. So he probably doesn't get to the 85% route rate. Maybe he's in like the 60 to 70. Like the problem is they have too many guys now. Like they're going to rotate them. And they did all Sunday. Like those guys are just in and out. Dobbs, is, I think, the most locked to be on the field the most. It's just that when you go through like the Dobbs game log, like this dude, like he, he'll have like he. I think last week, I mean, if you took his yardage from last week and you com- and you add up like his previous six games, it's the same. Mm-hmm. What about Musgrave versus Kraft? That's kind of a coin toss too, right? Uh yeah. What is it? I mean, we did see. So it was fourteen pass routes for Kraft, uh, eight for Musgrave when Love was in the game. It was the Kraft's lowest route participation rate in a game since week eleven when Musgrave left with that uh, kidney injury. Um, the targets haven't been there. So like it, and the 49ers are a team I'd never like to play tight ends against because Fred Warner is an absolute demon. Uh, so like I check typically don't challenge Fred Warner. Your favorite individual player on the Packers. Who is it, Rich? Well, I think naked love and just, cause what mm. if, what if he, what if love has two, two touchdowns passing throw for just has the volume to the 300 yards, but like even the, with a touchdown, there's none of the receivers pop. I'm not even, this is not even me saying I'm going to play love, but uh, dude, that, well, the, the, he had the back foot throw downfield. That was amazing. Whenever the pocket collapsed, but dude, in inside the 10, whenever he broke the pocket and just weaved it underarm between two defenders, my, I think it was the Romeo Dobbs TD. My God, man, like what a throw. Like you said, this dude is just seeing the field and on a heater right now. Yeah, there's probably a lot of bad tweets out there on, on Jordan Love a couple of years ago. Oh, probably for me. Old. Oh, a couple of years ago. <laughs> try try well, me I mean, from week five. The, this team, I mean, the, the, the adjustment they made halfway through the season where yeah. he was just living the front half of the year on like these inefficient, empty calorie targets. And obviously they've got a, a run game this stretch, but uh, they were just throwing the ball downfield and they were constantly having to win on third downs and – uh, it was a tough way to go, and now they've kind of had gone to this quick passing game and getting the ball out of his hands, and it's just kind of elevated the offense and him as a whole. And props his coaching staff. I think this is a coaching staff when you look at it from a town down, top down perspective. Even with Joe Barry, like the adjustments they make on a week to week basis, like gives you faith in them. They just don't try the same shit every week, and that's like half the battle in the NFL. John, favorite play, favorite stack on Saturday. I'll give you all of Saturday. Your favorite player, favorite stack. What do you got? Lamar with well, Reeves kind of, on DraftKings. I'm still open to two tight ends. Uh, not on FanDuel. FanDuel, I think I do go to Beckham. Reeves kind of t- tilted me onto that. Um, I like that call. And then I'm still playing Nico personally. I like Nico Kittle. Well. I think Kittle's probably my my guy. I think you just try to bury the field with that awesome tight end game, right? 
he seems to have like the biggest range of outcomes, right? And the Packers in general, like this is like a, there is a little bit of signal outside of just the Packers. Like when you look at like the defenses and what they run, it's not just a, Hey, Jake Ferguson had three touchdowns, play George Kittle. Uh, when, like, when you look at like the style of defense that they play, Kittle is kind of the guy that's when he has his targets, you know, against the cover three stuff against the cover one. So like, there's a chance for, I think to make kind of a big play here. All right, let's move on to Sunday. The Bucks. The Bucks are in Detroit. Detroit gets a second home game. They're six and a half point favorites versus the Buccaneers. Sixty-eight and a half is the total. Rich, I'll let you open us up. I think this is a this is probably the most fun game. Uh, well, KC Baltimore. So, Sunday is definitely better than Saturday. I think. I hope you guys will feel free to disagree if you want. Oh, by the way, somewhere there's a dome uh, in Detroit. Do not, do not be concerned with the weather in Detroit. There is Top. a dome. Todd Bowles, though, shout out to him, handled it well. Like, didn't make yeah. a smart-ass comment. Just he tried not to laugh. He answered as respectfully as he could. Yeah, he's a nice guy, very, very clearly. Uh, he definitely could. There's some coaches you asked that to, and then they'd probably still be yammering about Yo, it. No, like, I mean, Todd, Todd Bowles is in the final eight. Like, let's give him – it's still crazy how he got here. Uh, they drew the best card ever in playing. I mean, what the hell? None of the Eagles wanted to be there for the very first kickoff. You could tell the moment the game started. But no, nah, Tom Bowles is still around, so credit to him. I think Tampa gets, like, waxed in this game. I'm curious what your guys' take is here. I feel like I Detroit... don't know, man. Uh, okay. See. Oh, good. Okay. Okay. I mean, both, <laughs> of these, both of these defenses are very good. Uh, and that's what makes this game fun for us. I, I mean, obviously, I'll, I'll, I'll start with just the golf stuff for a minute because we have constantly at nauseum heard the the indoor outdoor stuff with golf, and I think there's some merit to golf playing in bad weather. That is true for like his hand size and stuff like that. Um, but really, what it comes down to, Jared Goff, and it's been literally his story of his entire career is just disruption. Can you just disrupt your Jared Goff? That game on Sunday night. When God, like they didn't touch, they didn't breathe on golf in the first half of that yeah. game. The Rams, like dude, when he wasn't pressured, he was 19 of 19 passing in that game. <laughs> uh, three, just three of eight, four, 4.4 yards for pass attempt. When the Rams, the very few plays they were able to pressure him, but like the story of golf for his entire career is literally about just can you disrupt him, not just have him play out of structure, have him move off his spot, and then you've got a shot, right? When he's been kept clean this year, only Brock Purdy. Has a higher quarterback rating. Uh, he's completed 76% of his passes, 8.3 yards per pass, and 25 touchdowns, three interceptions. We know Todd Bowles at least going to try to disrupt Jared Goff. Now, yeah. will he be successful? These teams did play in week six. Again, these are all rematches except for the one game we talked about. They only pressured Goff on 27% of his dropbacks in that game. Goff had just one game with a lower pressure rate all season. Tampa Blade. Tampa Bay tried to blitz golf on 38% of his dropbacks in that game. That's what they do. It was the fourth highest rate of uh, uh, a blitz rate that golf has faced this season. But they only pressured golf on 27% of their blitzes that week. Uh, you know, for some some context, the um, uh, the Bucks pressured Jalen Hurts on 55% of their blitzes on Monday night. Uh, so half the rate they were able to get home. Uh, the Buccaneers had just three games all season where they generated a lower pressure rate on blitzes than that Lions game. Uh, when they blitzed and failed the and pressured Goff, he was eight of thirteen in that game, nine point two yards of pass attempts with a touchdown. When they failed to pressure Goff in totality in that game, and this was a game in Tampa Bay, uh, he was twenty seven of thirty five in that game, three hundred ten yards, eight point eight yards of pass attempt, two of his touchdowns. They only pressured Goff on thirteen dropbacks, and guess what happened? Three of nine, 
4.9 yards or pass attempt. It literally comes down to can you get to Jared Goff and can you not? Fuck the home road splits. Fuck everything else. <laughs> can you get pressure on Jared Goff? Can you disrupt him? That's all that matters. Will they? Uh, Derek Brooks not walking through that door. Warren Sapp not walking <laughs> through that door. Does Tampa have the ability to put the pressure? My understanding, the Lions have a pretty good O-line as well. But, uh, yeah, what, what do you think? It sounds like you think that the – I think know. it's going to be a struggle again. Yeah, I do. I mean, this offensive line is good. Uh, the interesting thing I think that plays into the golf stuff too is that the Buccaneers are a pretty good run defense. And, you know, granted, Jameer Gibbs didn't play the first time these teams played. Dave Montgomery left that game after 18 snaps. Uh, they had to rely on like the ghost of Craig Reynolds to do stuff the rest of that game. But in totality of the season, the Buccaneers are ninth uh, in yards per carry allowed to running backs. They've allowed a league low five rushing touchdowns to opposing running backs. So like they're at least going to, you know, give this run game a little bit of, of you know, no pun intended, a little bit of run for their money. Uh, and we did see the Lions kind of turtle in the second half last week, and it almost caught them. Like, mm -hmm. they really were just lining up and running the football against heavy boxes, and the, and the Rams knew it, and they weren't getting any early down success running the football. And the Lions are a team that when they are ahead, they're in the bottom third of the league and drop back rate. Um, that's not going to work this week. You know, they're going to have to remain to be a little bit more aggressive, um, especially with this defense in the state it's in, which I'll let Dago kind of rattle off. But, like, this Lions defense – Man, like they're lucky Sean McVay was on the other side last week. We talked about that on this show that Dan Campbell versus Sean McVay was probably going to be an edge in the Lions' favor. Turned out to be true. I had I had the under in that game, and Ooh. it is incredible. I <laughs> dodged a point the entire second half because both offenses just lost everything. Like I, I cannot believe I eat that one out. Should have been a loss. Uh, on FanDuel, we're getting basically four quarterbacks, getting about 20% or so in optimals. Goff and Mayfield are two of them. Mahomes and Lamar are the other two. Then some Purdy, then some Josh Allen. On DK, these are the two most popular quarterbacks. Again, it's pretty close, though. Uh, this is the optimal stuff I ran. Mayfield getting 25%, Goff getting 21%. But one of the big things is, man, uh, the first two receivers, Reynolds and Amon Ra, the two most popular. And there's no correlation bumped into this. This is just like – Raw points. There's no correlation stuff. But Reynolds and Amon Ra, the two most popular guys hitting my lineups here on DK. And then Jamison Williams is the fifth most popular guy. So it's a lot of Detroit. The first optimal actually has, again, there's no correlation, three Lions and Baker Mayfield, which is kind of sort of so interesting. Two tight ends as well, uh, none of which play for Baltimore, Kincaid and Kelsey. Uh, you have a, a preference here, uh, John, when it comes to the quarterback, uh, which way to build in this game, Baker uh, versus Goff. You know, given salary discretion, I, I think I like Baker more, mm -hmm. honestly. In this first matchup, since Rich sold you on golf, it's my turn. The Bucks came out <laughs> of their bye and literally dared, like the Lions basically dared Baker to beat them deep. Uh, they played 85% of their snaps from zone coverage. They led every team in usage of two high safeties that week. And they only blitzed Baker on 10 dropbacks, 23% all game, and it worked. He completed just 51% of his passes for 206 yards and a pick. Since that time, though, and I don't know if it was Dave Canales, I don't know if it was Baker Mayfield seeing the field better overall, but Baker's actually tied for the league lead in touchdowns against zone coverage since week seven. No one has passed for more fantasy points against that scheme than him in that time as well. And 
Again, that's just under the assumption they play this scheme the same way. We just saw the Rams, like Rich said, average seven and a half yards per play. They recorded 10 passes of 15 plus yards. They just lost because they scored nine points in the typical Sean McVay fashion on three of their red zone trips, whereas the Lions scored 21 points on their three red zone trips because of the aggressiveness of Dan Campbell. So yeah, just everything factored in. And not to mention, you can't like the Lions or like the Bucks defense. You also can't run on the Lions. Uh, the, the Bucks can't run the ball anyways. Like the, the Eagles had even been giving it up over the last month. And Rashad White struggled four yards a pop this past week on Monday night. But overall, the Lions now out of their buy since week 10, just 3.3 yards per carry allowed to opposing running backs. No running back has exceeded 75 yards in that time. So like the Lions, the Bucks also have to get it done through the air. And I think it's going to be a pretty clean spot for Baker. Do you guys think Mayfield's a, like, playing a little bit injured? I know he was questionable last game with those ribs. Just feels like yeah, he's, he's always been, getting up a little bit slow. And sure. is he just roping to open us? Um, it, just the not, eye test. I'm like, I don't know if I won't. I don't was, trust this guy's healthy. He, dude, he was awesome though on Monday. Yeah, yeah. he was throwing. He, he was great. throwing beans, I, dude. Like absolute beans. It I could mean, have been better. Evans dropped some touchdowns. Yeah, they had. A, I mean, twelve percent of his targets were dropped. Otten dropped a touchdown. Granted, he did get pass interfered on that play, but then he had another drop. Uh, Evans dropped two. And also, that goes back to the first time these teams played. If you remember the first time these teams played, obviously Baker he had he had his his highest inaccurate target rate in a game that season. But they he had Mike Evans. He threw an interception that game. It was a tip pass. Mike Evans was naked for a ninety-two yard touchdown. If you remember this play, you can go to YouTube or whatever, look it up. Mike Evans was uncovered on a nine. He would have had a ninety-two yard touchdown. Baker gets tipped, and then it's intercepted. I mean, he was completely naked. Then he overthrows. Trey Palmer was naked for a 60-yard touchdown, and Baker overthrew him. There were opportunities in this game to have big plays. And if you've watched the Lions last month, dude, they're just giving up huge plays. I mean, the past four games, they've allowed over 300 passing yards and multiple touchdowns to every passer. Nick Mullins, 411 and 396 in his two starts. Dak threw for 345, Stafford threw for 367. And just look at the length of these touchdowns they're giving up to these guys. I mean, just like they're they're just absolutely just massive gains for touchdowns. Um, it's absolutely wild. The last four games they've allowed receiving touchdowns to wide receivers of 38 yards, 50 yards, 42 yards, 38 yards, 92 yards, 26 yards. And that also they also allowed another pair of touchdowns inside the 10-yard line. These are just all the long balls. Uh, which is you don't you typically see in the NFL. Uh, so, I mean, I do. I think Baker's probably – he might be the best quarterback per dollar, I'll he, arguably, on the slate. He quietly logged a full practice today. That's the first time in two weeks since he first suffered that ankle injury and rib injury that he's logged a full practice, say. and it's Wednesday. And they are not – like they, they, are, they are not going to run the ball against the Lions. No. Like, absolutely not. This team, this is the worst. It's one of the worst running offenses in the NFL. First of all, they're dead last in the NFL in rate of runs that go for five or more yards. They're facing, guess what, a, a, a team that's, uh, you know, fourth in the league in that category in the Lions. When these teams played early in the year, I mean, Rashad White ran for 26 yards. <laughs> uh, I've, I actually have done reverse ladders with Rashad White in bets this week. I've actually <laughs> done his alt lines under. I've done his base 64. Minus uh, 25. And then I did, yeah, under 55 and a half or 54 and a half, then under 48 and a half. Like I did the reverse ladder on him. It's a, it's a tough year for props. So the only way is to find the edge, and that's certainly an edge. I'm hearing bet the over. I don't know if you guys if you guys heard that too. But the 48 and a half feels a little bit low. Well, is I that... think the one thing with the Lions, though, is that the Lions are ahead. 
like they've shown they're going to run the football and yeah. they did in this matchup. They didn't get the pushback because this is one of just two games that Buccaneers did not score a touchdown. And like I said, they had opportunities. They had stuff on the table to, to cash in some big plays. Um, but I do think that from a passing game stance, and we've seen Dave Canales last week against the completely inferior defense that the Eagles were fielding at this point, they, he was aggressive. They were out here dropping back on early downs, which they had not done to this point in the season. So he has to come out aggressive here. You are not going to line up and run the football on this Lions team. No one has done it. It was, it was awesome to see that from both Canales and Bobby Slowick last week. Like, we even talked about Slowick failed the test against the Colts and nearly like forced the Texans to lose that playoff game. And both of them came out with an aggressive game script. Yeah, Rich was saying the most important question, one of the most important questions in this game is will there be pressure on Goff? But the second most important question, will Trey Palmer wake up pissed off? That's what we got to know. <laughs> because when he wakes up pissed off, hey, he scores up. a touchdown. <laughs> and the third question I have, uh, who's more? Who's this more guy? You remember David Moore from? from the Seahawks? Oh, that's who that is. I didn't yeah. know that was him. He's still that's him. That's him. Gift. Good for him. I didn't know that was the guy. Okay. He came What's out funny is he had almost an identical touchdown like three weeks ago against the Packers. That was like the same thing. He caught like a short pass and just like kind of weaved through everyone. Uh, he actually ran more pass routes than Trey Palmer for the first time this season last, uh, last week too. Uh, Trey Palmer, a guy who had literally run over 70% of the dropbacks in like every game since week two, just kind of was weirdly kind of shelves. He got the late touchdown, but uh, weirdly did not play a lot. I don't know what was going on there. What do we do with that? And no, no clue. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> By the way, Mike uh, play Mike Evans. That's what I'm going to yeah. do with it. <laughs> did want to mention this. Uh, shout out to Daigle with a hell of a call last week. <laughs> Uh, Jeff's uh, Jeff's mentioning it in chat for the Houston defense flag plant. That was his flag plant. The Houston defense who scored two defensive touchdowns. And dude, I did dude, not listen. I wish I did, I, but that was an awesome call, John. I appreciate the compliment, but also I was trying to steal flag plant the Steelers defense on the next slate. So let's all it all regresses in the end. <laughs> it all comes back. Can't uh, we didn't say anything about Amon Ra? Like, what should we say about Amon Ra? He's really, he's, really good. Look at he's his box. Scores. Probably have a hundred yards and eight catches. Yeah. Okay. What do you want me to say? Yeah, um, his, for him too. Uh, everything. Everything. I think good. his number is ninety nine and a half. Like that's basically what is the you know his target is as far as Vegas. His, his prop is right around hundred. Um, Evans certainly like like he was the third or fourth best receiver for Tampa this last week, but absolutely he can bounce back and have a monster game. Probably is the biggest ceiling on the Tampa side. We didn't really mention the running backs. We kind of talked about the running backs like not being great, but I will say that White is hitting a ton of optimals. Good. Is that is that bad chalk? Yeah, I think um, so. Yeah, think that's it's, so bad it's the Kyron Williams trap of last week because yes. Kyron Williams, and, even if he, even people if he were didn't telling us last week in the chat, telling us don't overthink Kyron Williams, they're like, don't overthink Kyron Williams, don't overthink it. The you, people, and, they don't and, get run on. The Lions do not get run on. And honestly, like I understand that argument if you provide the context. Like in short slates, those are the slates you do overthink. Like, you have to find the edges there. And the edge was fading a 50% player, as it's going to be with Rashad White this week. I, I don't want to be this guy, but looking back to last week, I even sent you guys a DM. I was like, hey, I have this this lineup looks pretty sharp, looks pretty solid in the red zone. And I had I had Karen Williams, so I also had a running back in the, the flex, so I kind of got off him for Puka. And I was kind of debating back and forth 
And once I decided to play Puka, the game started. I'm like, oh no, the game started. It locked on me. And if we play Puka, we win, we win the red zone. Yeah, we told you Puka over Tyron. (laughs) Yeah, it was a big um, now that now. So I had that lineup like six different contests, and I chopped it in half. So I had half of them with uh Puka and you know, we, we made a run in some of the other contests, but not right. the red zone, unfortunately. We finished like second or third, some other stuff. Um, right there was Steeler Nation. Uh, the, the Steeler Nation, like I think it was around 220 or so. I can't remember what the score was, but you know, uh, it was one of those like it was a good week, but I kind of goofed and I probably should have like went with the obvious play and bad job by me. But does we shall this, look forward. Does this mean that you're gonna pick like a TV show or something longer for us to watch over the offseason? <laughs> We should, yeah. We, we we haven't really delved into that, but yeah, you're you're gonna watch. Um, let's see, what's the longest running? Uh, uh oh, geez, uh, I'm trying to think of L.A. Law. Is that still on? That's not anymore. What's the what's the show that? Uh, I, there's got to be something out NCIS? there. NCIS is it one of those? Gunsmoke, gun like Bonanza, ran like 25 seasons or something. I have actually watched a lot more Bonanza than you would expect. I expected zero. So if you zero watched one episode, I used to watch a lot of Bonanza and Cheers. All sadly, I saw Cheers reunited on the uh, on the Grammys. I, Not I interested. Big... Uh, yeah. Only interested back then in the the old Cheers. Yeah. Well, Sam Malone. Know, the... Sam Malone has no interest in my heart anymore. Well, well, I'm well, sorry. Dancing's had a nice renaissance, though. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the show on uh, on NBC. Oh, geez. Uh, the, the good place. The good place. Yeah, he was spectacular in that. Curb and Curb, yeah, of yeah, course, he's amazing on Curb, which is again coming season. back for the final season. Yeah, oh man, it's I mean, it's it's been off like 25 years, like the final season, and like you know, they've actually had like 11 years because Larry's just like, I'm not gonna do this for the next five years, maybe we'll, we'll revisit it, it's fine. Uh, yeah, looking forward to the season of Curb, your enthusiasm, okay. Uh, favorite if you had to pick a running back, and it sounds like both of you guys are poo pooing it, but um, who's the best running back in this game, John? I don't think I'm going to play the running backs from this game. Okay, um, just pass. I, 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 yeah, oh yeah. Definitely, if you're giving me an out, I'm going to say I'm not interested. But we do keep seeing something consistent. We talked about this last week, too, where David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs just literally mirror each other in touches, and yet Jameer Gibbs comes in 30% more roster than Montgomery every single week. He's still etching them out because he's still used as more of a pass catcher. But if you go back to like after their bye, when David Montgomery returned from injury, this is 10 games together now. And they, David Montgomery has 150 touches. Jameer Gibbs is 142. Like they're literally just right there, neck and neck. Um, and again, Gibbs is always significantly more rostered. So I continue playing Montgomery, but I'm not interested in a running back in this game either side. You got anything to add there, Rich, as far as the running backs here? It sounds like you're already off white. What about the Detroit guys? I mean, uh, I, I, I mean, it's, I would love to play Detroit running back. <laughs> Detroit running back, I, like, make like you know, Tech Mobile and QB Eagles. I need RB Lions. Uh, they didn't want to pay Randall Cunningham. They're like, screw you, Randall. We're just uh, gonna play. I mean, these guys, these guys literally get the same amount of touches every game. Montgomery's gonna play the first drive. Gibbs is gonna play yep. the second drive, and then it's largely up in the air after that. We did see something kind of unique last week, and it didn't really work for them. So maybe they won't use it. But Gibbs didn't play a snap in the fourth quarter. They literally just tried to use Montgomery as like that salt away clock killer. Uh, maybe they, that's something they're going to do in the postseason moving forward. We'll see. But like they, the, the touch counts are very equal. They cannibalize each other in that regard. They both keep getting there because they both keep scoring touchdowns. Uh, since week 10 with both guys you know, back in unison, they, they have 17 rushing touchdowns. The next closest team is 10 rushing touchdowns. So they keep getting there via the touchdown production. But 
they cap each other from a touch perspective, which is very frustrating because it's tough to just live off of touchdowns uh, for these running backs. What about Josh Reynolds versus Jamison Williams? The way we have it, we got Reynolds uh, projecting a little bit better. So we have him being more popular. Uh, you know, Williams feels like more of the home run hitter, right? I know Reynolds was really good last week as well. Um, it's probably more of an ownership conversation. Is that, uh, you know, Reynolds probably the cash game guy? Rich, you have a lean here. Anything else? Oh, we should have I also. Mean, I think he's probably a little pay down guy. I mean, it's, it's not like if you go down Reynolds' game log. I mean, he's a, he, 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 80 yards on Sunday matched a season high. So it's not like he's necessarily like a great cash game guy either. Um, or ceiling guy for that matter. It's real solid, just kind of, I guess, dollar per, uh, you know, point per dollar type of stuff. But I mean, I like to attack the Bucks downfield stuff with downfield stuff. We saw it again. The lone bright spot for the Eagles on Monday night was Devontae Smith cooking the secondary. Yeah. Like, and then, you know, Jamison can win over the top. He actually did have a 45 yard touchdown in, when these teams played earlier in the year, too. And that was a game both Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean did play. So, I mean, on throws uh, over 20 yards, the wide receivers, the Buccaneers are 28th in the league in completion rate. Um, they are also 31st in the NFL in reception of 20 or more yards allowed to opposing wide receivers. Guess what team is allowed the most? Tampa? The, the, well, Tampa's 31st. Oh, the Lions. Yeah, the Lions are first. So they're facing each other. <laughs> see the two teams, so. I, I, I don't think you can really go wrong with wide receivers in this game, man. I think this is a big wide receiver game. Uh, Godwin, the past six weeks, has even out-targeted Evans by 10 targets. You know, we talked about, you know, his wife sending the, the gram on Dave Canales. Um, yeah. He actually had a solid game, too. This is like back when the, the when he was dusty and not doing anything. He actually had six catches for 77 yards against the Lions because everyone gets there against the Lions. So, I mean, Baker doubles might not be even rolled out this week. Did Laporta have a really bad A dot? I see three catches for 14 yards. As long was eight. I'm just impressive he was on the field. But was he not stretching the field here, Laporta? I'm assuming he, he wasn't. He, he even looked injured. He was out there for sure. He was toughing it out, but he looked injured too. He was playing yeah. with that big brace. Uh, he 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 ran around on literally. He nothing changed. He was right in line with his season long usage. 80 percent of team dropbacks prior. His rate was 79 percent. So. Salvage it with the uh, touchdown. Oh, dude, the Rams. That uh, was his name, Alex Hoyt. That outside, he was a defensive tackle. They moved an outside linebacker. So he rushed the passer in this scheme. But dude, they had this cat in coverage guarding Laporta on that touchdown for like ten <laughs> seconds because no one got pressure on golf. He one play he lined up uh, opposite Amon Ross St. Brown did not touch him, <laughs> of course. Like, they, and then he he was in coverage on the David Montgomery play on the last drive of the game that got the first down. I mean, they, the Rams put this cat in a no-win situation. Like, I felt so bad for him. Uh, all right. Anything else we should say as far as Detroit and Tampa, or shall we move on? We're, are we expecting uh, Raymond not to play? I know he didn't practice on Wednesday. Is that kind of up in the air? Any expectations? Any lean? I don't know. We don't know. Right. Would that matter? I guess that matters a little bit, you know, just for pure run out stuff. I mean, you look at just the pure route rates, like the guys that Reynolds and Jamison had, like it, it would get shaved a little bit. But because if you look at it, I mean, uh, all of them, like Williams ran a route on 87% of the dropbacks, that was a season high. Reynolds was at 97%, which was a season high. So, like, it did matter just for being on the field perspective. Kansas City is in Buffalo. Buffalo, two-and-a-half-point favorite. Three, two-and-a-half, depending on. I've seen it both ways. We may see Sky Moore come back. I don't know if that matters or not. Just figured I would mention Sky Moore coming back. Uh, Bills at home here versus Kansas City. 
John, I'll let you get started here with Kansas City and Buffalo. Start wherever you want to start. I remember last time we talked about this game in week 14, we all liked it to be more of an under environment. And I'm kind of thinking the same thing again. We've now seen eight games where the Chiefs have been at full strength with Tris Jones, who didn't play in week one, Nick Bolton, who suffered an in-season injury, and Legereus Sneed, who was missing for a handful of games throughout the second half of the season. But in those eight games, and that includes Josh Allen in week 14 when they uh, played really well against him, Trevor Lawrence early in the year when he was still cooking, uh, also Justin Herbert with Keenan Allen and Josh Palmer too. Like the Chiefs defense with those three guys in those games have allowed the fewest yards per play in the entire NFL, 4.2. They're second in EPA per play, third in success rate as well. They're creating pressure at the sixth highest rate. They're just an amazing defense. We've also come onto this show and talked about consistently how they shut down because of Sneed, but they shut down opposing wide receiver ones. And they've just become an entirely different unit. So I like the Chiefs defense to win out in this one, keep it to a lower scoring total. I don't think that's going to get me to Patrick Mahomes either since we have also seen the Bills' defense play really well. The key, though, is that the Bills' defense suffered enough injuries where a guy, guys like Travis Kelsey, Rasheed Rice, although people are going to get to them anyhow, like there may be the same coverage issues over the middle of the field that allowed the Chiefs to also be successful in that shallow area. Last week against the Dolphins, we talked about Jerome Baker being the Dolphins' best coverage linebacker and was out. But like, we have to still wait now and see with Tyrell Dodson and these guys up the middle for Buffalo because if it's the same thing, I imagine the Chiefs just pelt Kelsey with targets again, who has done historically well in this game. Last week, even Kelsey, five of his 10 targets were on screens. They just kept them shallow and allowed him to make plays turning upfield. I think that's what we see it happen again here. So I think Kelsey is my favorite player for the Chiefs. Uh, I, I think he does have a ceiling in this game. I understand 7 for 71 is not the ceiling we wanted, playing him into 15 to 20% ownership, but that's my favorite spot in this game at least. Yeah, when it all mattered, uh, Kelsey was prioritized, Pacheco was prioritized, and Rice was prioritized. It did give uh, some big targets to Hardman. Like it looked like it could have got there. I mean, this cat looked like he's never played receiver. (laughs) I mean, that that first ball that he lost, I don't know. And then Mahomes (laughs) threw such an incredible throw in the one kind of zero blitz, like down the middle of the field. And like, like he's never been like he's never been able to prove that he's like a functional actual wide receiver. And like the same stuff was an issue last week. Uh, I I was at DraftKings Sportsbook with a lot of people, including 4-for-4's Connor Allen, who had prop bets on Miko Hardman. Because Hardman's receiving yards, they opened at 10.5, and and we figured Mm -hmm. he'd get a larger role. They closed at 14.5. Nothing. He could easily get there. Dude, to see everyone just, like, freaking out because Miko Hardman is Miko Hardman, like, everyone was pissed off at that guy. Who's got the air yards? Because yeah, he had one catch for three yards. The air yards must have been like 125, 150 or something. It's got to be a big number on him. I mean, all prayer. Well, you just I just the, the two targets stand out that those should have been completions. Like yeah. a, an actual MVS might catch those two. Uh, it, maybe, but like, <laughs> you know, like it, man, he just looked lost. It, like, it, I don't know. I don't really understand what he was doing. The, Dolph- the Dolphins' defense was actually doing pretty well on Pacheco, too. And then it just crumbled in the end. He finally broke one free for that touchdown. Yeah, yeah. He's we talked about, though, like the Dolphins' injuries. Same. It's the same in this matchup. So th- the Dolphins' injuries 
we're all kind of in that, you know, middle of the field type stuff and, and then Xavier Howard, but they're missing safeties. They're missing linebackers. That's exactly the story with the bills, right? So like, it could be a game where the bills actually still play the run well, because they have been playing, the, they, they, they have been playing the run largely well, but if the bills are going to be without, you know, obviously we expect them to be without Terrell Bernard in this game. It just depends if, you know, Dotson comes back. I think Rasul Douglas is going to come back. We don't know if Taron Johnson's going to play. Because remember, the Bills have this because they moved that game. They have one less day, yeah, uh, to get ready. And it's they have a two gate two day rest disadvantage now versus the Chiefs against literally the team with the best rest advantage record, uh, you know, in the NFL under Andy Reid. So like the, the kind of uh could be something that ends up catching them again. The fact that they got to play that game in better weather, but it's the same stuff. It could be the same layout for the bill or the, for the chiefs than what they had at the dolphins where the bills are just missing too many key pieces. And to be fair to the bills, like they have put this thing together with duct tape and bubble gum all year. And they have been <laughs> a really good defense from a top down perspective. Um, but we did see in the second half of that game, like Mason Rudolph was moving the ball with all those guys <laughs> out of the game. And if like that's not Mahomes, Mahomes between the numbers last week, 17 to 23 passing, Eight nine yards for pass attempt. David Long was lost in coverage on two plays where Rasheed Rice got behind him. He just didn't get enough depth in his drop, and they were huge gains for the Chiefs. Uh, so, like, it, depending, we're recording this Wednesday night. Who the Bills have active is going to be really big in this game. You know, are they going to have Taylor Rapp? Are they going to have Taron Johnson? Like, it's it's absolutely massive for this game, uh, for sure. So, that's where we are. Um, quarterback wise, Dago, I know you said you like four quarterbacks. I, I'm thinking that is there, no, uh, you've already said the four, right? I don't think. Oh yeah, it was, it was yeah. for me, it was for me, Purdy, Lamar, Baker, and Goff. Those are my four. I still like am sucked in by Josh Allen and like just by himself. I, mean, I don't need to play anybody else. He just ended he the world. So that makes sense. Yeah. I just, he's just gotta be in my pool. Um, He's got to be in your pool, but I do think the larger field size, the larger field size you go up, you take more of a gambit without playing him. Because even when these two teams played in week 14, the Bills scored a touchdown two of their opening three drives, one because they actually used James Cook those two drives, uh, but they didn't score a touchdown the rest of the game. Like the, the, this, this Chiefs team, like we, we, they're a legit defense. Like they've been a legit yeah. defense the entire season. Uh, the Chiefs from a clean pocket, quarterbacks from a clean pocket this season, they're only <laughs> averaging 6.2 yards per pass attempt. Uh, when Josh Allen was clean in that game, he was terrible even so. he was tw- When he wasn't pressured against the Chiefs, he was 12 of 23 in that game, 4.7 yards per pass attempt, when the Chiefs didn't even get pressure on him. Spags has always kind of played this matchup interesting too. Like they, they've been effective blitzing team against Josh Allen. And the other thing I think you have to worry about with the state of the bills is just the inconsistency that they have on offense because they don't have a player to lean on offensively anymore. That guy yeah. is Josh Allen. Stefan Diggs is just not getting there. And Dale kind of alluded to it like wide receiver ones against the chiefs. And like, dude, their rogues gallery is phenomenal. They, we've talked about it on the show a few times. They, the most yards a wide receiver one has had against the Chiefs this season is seventy-three yards. They have faced Tyree Kill twice. He had sixty-two yards in each of those games. Uh, Devontae Adams, the guy who had the seventy-three, had four in the run backs. They didn't complete a pass the last three quarters. AJ Brown had eight yards against them. Justin Jefferson had twenty-eight. He left the game in the fourth quarter. 
Amon Ra 71, Keenan Allen 55, Jamar Chase 41. Diggs himself had a season low 24 yards when these teams played on 11 targets. He had 11 targets and 24 yards in that game. Uh, his two fewest games as a Buffalo Bill in yards per outrun have come against the Chiefs. In six, he's faced this team six times. This is the seventh time that they're playing. Obviously, this is a really good matchup. It's fun. He's cleared, he's cleared 77 yards in one game in this matchup. Uh, four uh, and 70 yards in just two of them. Like the Chiefs have not, or they're not giving up production to these lead wideouts. And if we expect Diggs to maybe potentially struggle not have a ceiling game, we have to anticipate this Bills offense to once again struggle to find consistency because like the, the rest of this offense are guys. They actually finally are using Dalton Kincaid with religion downfield, but they better continue to use James Cook because the second, the first time these teams played, they got away from James Cook. He, he had he had 80 yards in the first quarter, and then the rest of the game he had nine of 18 backfield touches. That ain't going to cut it. they got to keep him on the field. He's, it has to be a big James Cook game. They have to get something more out of Dalton Kincaid, and it's a tough matchup for Dalton Kincaid as well. The Chiefs have absolutely smoked tight ends this entire season. Uh, Kincaid himself had – Kincaid had eight targets the first time these teams played and 21 yards. Like, <laughs> it's hard for me to see – the, chief, the the Bills getting like consistent offense in this game. And I'm scared of them actually in this game. And they beat the, the Chiefs twice two games in a row, but I think it's a scary spot for the Bills. Player prop for Diggs right now, depending on where you're shopping, 64 and a half, 65 and a half. I'm hearing bet the under. Uh, that's what I'm hearing. Uh maybe he, it's a good under spot. I mean, even last week, dude, the first half, and I understand they created those turnovers, but they got that fumble from George Pickens, immediately turned around on the next play on a short field for a 30-yard touchdown pass. Uh, Mason Rudolph, who the hell knows what he was thinking on that throw, or <laughs> even Kyer Elam had the interception. Like, the Steelers helped them out, get them in that game. And they that game, they're up 21 nothing, and then, again, it sputtered. It was a seven-point game in the fourth quarter, yeah. They, you they, guys this the line like is I mean I, I understand like the home team is going to get you know you really, they really can't figure it out let's just give the fa- home team a three point line and then some places it's two and a half depending on but like I think Kansas City just depending on they you could poke holes in them too but it feels like they're in better shape than the Bills are at this state in the season but uh, yeah I'll I, always I, listen man you, you, I'll take Mahomes as a dog anytime you're going to give him to me. Uh, especially playoff Mahomes uh, with the Bills with this many injuries. I'll take my chances. The Bills have, like I said, the Bills have beaten the Chiefs in Arrowhead the last two matchups they face. So, like, they, they, they deserve to be favorites, I think. I do believe that. And I just think structurally for the injuries they have defensively, and they could be healthier by the time we get to Sunday. Mm-hmm. And then just the fact that I, I struggle to find individual matchups for the Bills to win outside of James Cook. James Cook is literally going to be the linchpin of this game. I took the Chiefs plus 120 money line. Uh, I, I may buy some of that back if the Bills are completely healthy on defense, but I did want to get ahead of it just because I think it's the best we're going to get. Yeah, that's what I'm seeing right now. Two and a half, three, kind of bouncing back and forth. The book that I have open right now, uh, the only one I have down here in South Florida is the Hard Rock. Yeah, Chiefs plus 120 if you want to. You can get a plus three, but you got to lay 115. Which is so, Dean, you laid out that Stephon Diggs has a 64-and-a-half receiving prop. The Chiefs yeah. have a lot of three receivers that hit that all year. Diggs himself has hit it twice in his past nine games. Yeah. It's like a lofty line. It's reputation. We've talked about Diggs all season long just being like he's been way too overpriced. For whatever reason, he never really saw a hit in his asking price. Uh, I, it's 
we talk about basketball. If your name is Steph. Steph Curry is probably too high as well. Both those guys. DK has this thing. If your name is Steph to some degree, you're going to be just a little bit too expensive. Both those guys kind of sort of living off reputation to some degree. But I, uh, I'm going to hit the under on it. And if it, if it goes over, so be it. Uh, Pacheco, did we touch on Pacheco? Just He's just sort of there. He'll have, he'll have some opportunity. Um, and the, the volume, third, man, if you want the volume. Yeah. He's played now four full games without Jarek McKinnon, 20, 21, 25, and 25 touches in those mm-hmm. games. So, I mean, if you if you just want to pay for the volume, he's getting it. I do think it sets up similarly, though, like the Dolphins. Like, the Bills' front is largely intact, and they have been good against the run, especially since, like, the opening month of the season. So, they haven't allowed any running back to go over 80 yards since week six. It is weird seeing, you know, these two, like, historical offenses, Kansas City and Buffalo, with, with a total of, uh, what is it, 40, 45 and a half. The first game – the first yeah. game closed at 49. This one opened lower, but I still think it's too high. I don't think that they – I think it's probably an under still too. And that was that was Nick Bolton's first game back, and the Chiefs didn't have Isaiah Pacheco in that one. I think it opened 46 and a half, and it dropped a little bit already. And we kind of touched on, you know, who cares, weather, whatever. It's, it's yellow according to Roth, and, you know, it's never going to be perfect – this time of year in Buffalo. In Buffalo it's, gonna, yeah. it's also going to be warmer than what the Chiefs played in last week. Significantly yeah. warmer. Yeah. Roth did say, I would say these conditions are fairly close to what we saw in Buffalo for a wild card round, which would be summed up as manageable. Yeah. There's going to be some breeze. It's going to be cold, but that's, you know, that's just what it's like to play Buffalo this time of year. Um, favorite play on all of Saturday, all of Sunday, uh, Rich. What do you got? Or if you have a little stack, by all means, fire up the stack. Baker Mayfield, Mike Evans, Ramon Ra, triumphant. Lock it in. No doubles for Tampa, just the two stuff. You can run doubles. I don't know if you, but if you run Amon Ra, like you probably can't afford Godwin, right? Like you probably can't make. You'd it have to. I've been I'm dropping down to Davis. Davis. I've been dropping oh, down yeah. David Moore in those builds. Yeah. Odd was good last week. Was that an? Or you just take a cheap. Or you take a cheap lion. Uh, but I definitely would rather just play Amon Ra. Uh, yeah, the only thing about the cheap line is, like Dean said, where Josh Reynolds, after his big game, is kind of checking in over rostered. I think so. I think you might pivot to Jameson. Just where the Bucks get beat is over the top, right? Like they consistently get beat over the top. Uh, this game, this late game, though, like this is a better real life football game. Like the Chiefs Bills closing on Sunday night is awesome, right? Like it's gonna be an awesome. Like, I'm gonna be everyone's gonna be glued into this game. But from like a <laughs> fantasy perspective, it's probably the worst of the four games. Um, it's maybe maybe Ravens. It's behind Tampa, Detroit. Yeah, it's it's Houston, Baltimore, and KC, Buffalo. Probably the two worst games. Um, it's funny you say from a real life perspective because I like a good good old fashioned shootout. I like I like a thirty five. I mean these teams these teams though like when you just look go down the 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 matchups like they have not let us down. Like these games have not let us down. Like this game is gonna be tight. it's the Chiefs, man. It's Patrick Mahomes. He will always garner attention. Even Saturday night. And Josh night. Allen, man. Like Josh, Josh Allen. Allen. Yeah. Even, what a, what a, even Saturday night, though, like understanding the state the Dolphins were in in that game, I mean, I was so excited just because, like, we've all been itching for the next gear for the Chiefs who just mess around all regular season. Like, this is it. This is the game. It's time. It's now or never. No, I mean, the Chiefs throw about a two players. Like, yeah. this is where we are. Uh, you and Hartman, sort of. 
unfortunately on occasion but you look at the past six weeks and it's Rasheed Rice has uh you know 68 targets Kelsey has 50 and then Justin Watson 19 like like they're they're, they've got dialed in like two guys are getting the football and then it's just guys after that after that John same question favorite play favorite player favorite stack on Sunday Rich already mentioned it. Uh, I do like Baker doubles with Travis Kelsey. How we're going to fit that in, I'm still trying to figure that out, but that's the way I like right now. What about like a super ambitious, let's get weird, I'm playing in a contest that has like 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 entries, the goofiest player you consider playing in that kind of contest? Go ahead, like, You don't expect it to work. Um, I, I need a minute. Maybe like the first guy, the first thing I thought was like John Mechie, like off just off my head, but yeah, yeah, on Sunday only. Oh, that's just Sunday. What, I'll whole... give you the whole slate. You got the whole slate four game slate, goofy dart. Uh, I would probably say Dontavian Wicks. Oh, that's not goofy. He's good. He's like, need... good. We need <laughs> goofier than Dontavian, like. Nine percent. Um, yeah, you gotta pick a bad football player. I'll tell you the, the good thing is bad, thing bad football Mechie, player. David, I mean David Moore. I feel like that's that's they, he would count. Player. David Moore, I would okay. Would allow. David Moore, and I'm gonna play a yeah. lot of him. Like I'll Nelson you, Aguilar. That's goofy. Yeah, you're well, the, the good thing of Aguilar and the good thing of Mechie is like you know what your stand at your game one. Like if they got there, if they didn't get there, you can act accordingly. Juwan Jennings, like you just kind of. <laughs> that, that, that's how we have to end it and we got to end it on Jawan Jennings because <laughs> I don't know if we can top that I'm not really sure what else we can fire off for the people we gave him an hour and a half on the four game slate we're going to pivot and talk about oh, good, movies. Stuff, yeah. good stuff There was a, we did pander a little bit but the, a lot of good information was dispersed for Wednesday, for Wednesday 10.30 week 20 like can't beat it Yeah. Uh, you know I, I don't just say I don't just say two of the best in the business I absolutely mean it I should say it now, but I'll probably... Leonard Fournette was cut there uh, in the chat. Yes. Someone mentioned Leonard Fournette. He was released. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I got him on some of my best balls. Well, already so Lenny. I, so we know the Bills are going to lose because they cut Leonard Fournette. <laughs> don't play the game. I was going to say something nice. I was going to say I'm thrilled to be on this podcast once again for another year, put it in the books, um, working with absolutely two of the best. Hopefully we run it back once again next year. Do uh, thank RG for letting us put this on. Do thank those that listen. We're not going anywhere. Yeah, love, like, I know. love Devin, love Dan. I'm glad that we get to uh, keep our relationship going with you guys. I look for this email every July, August. And if I don't get it, I text Rich and ask him if he got it to make sure I wasn't lost. <laughs> Mine wasn't lost in the mail. So, yes, uh, I appreciate everything Dan, Devin, everyone behind the scenes. Steve does. Yes. Producer Rob is not going to be joining us for the movie talk. We'll discuss movies in a second. And I just want to get that out because – a certain percent of our audience probably doesn't want to hear us talk about Paddington 2, which we're going to do momentarily. Well, that, they're, that's the what wrong, we do. they're the wrong kind of audience. <laughs> I'm, look, I'm not making any accusations, but you know, I can understand it. You have an hour and a half. The, the Venn diagram of Paddington 2? They were, I, I, I guarantee you the chat is more mad we did Barbie than Paddington 2. <laughs> Some people were not happy with... Uh, yeah, with, with the Barbie review, but this is what we do. We review a movie. I believe Rich was this was your recommendation. Uh, none of us had well, seen it was Paddington kind of 1. It was, kind we kind of, of, it was a group effort. 
Yeah. You had um, kind of always been mentioned about the the rotten. You may do the rotten tomato score, like the IMV score thing, and like we had made an, a flippant remark about Paddington Two being the, like the the number one highest reviewed movie ever. And I said it's actually delightful, and it kind of got us to like this 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 like train rolling. So you saw it previously, myself and uh, and and John. I imagine John, this is the first time you saw Paddington Two. Correct. And, and you had no Paddington experience, right? You went in cold, no Paddington One. So, just like me. And the good thing is you don't need, like Rich said, you don't need to see one to figure out two. I kind of feel like I need to see it now, though, because I'm like, well, wait, how did this whole, sure. whole story start? You want to know why you want to watch it, Dean? <laughs> Paddington like 2 it. was it pretty was, delightful. It was delightful, wasn't it, Dean? <laughs> it was good, yeah. I mean, look, <laughs> I, I'm kind of a snob when it comes to PG movies. I'm a PG snob. You know, it's like, I'm sure if producer Rob was here, he'd be like, you know, he's a big horror guy. And like one of those red flags for horror movies is like PG-13. And it's like, oh, that trailer looks like it's fantastic, but uh oh, it's PG 13. They didn't go for it, right? It, and it's just, I don't like PG, it's just, it's going to be some sort of like family pandering thing. And it's great for kids. And I'm glad the kids enjoy it and all that. Uh, greatest PG movie of all time, my answer Back to the Future. Uh, that's that's a spectacular movie. I, don't, I was, I'm curious what else to But this movie, I feel like for being PG, doesn't pander to being PG. Like, definitely the actors in it, first of all. Like, no one is, like, punching down. Like, sometimes you will see, like, a lot of people just not pulling their weight because they know what kind of movie they're in. And then the the top thing for this movie is, like, this movie is just absolutely well-crafted. Like, the editing, the cinematography, everything is perfect. And it's, like, it's a well-made movie. Uh, And, like, I made the joke that, like, I forgot that some of the CGI in this movie is actually better than, like, stuff we've seen, like, like I have you seen the flash? Like, oh my goodness, like there's <laughs> I have not I, seen the flash, but it looks spectacular. Go ahead, John. It it was as if Wes Anderson created a movie under the Pixar label. Like it's it was just so strange, but as you said, it it was reverse up, and that up opens the movie by ripping your heart out immediately to prepare you for the feel-good uh middle and ending. Whereas this case, it was like fairy tale and then you got a little mystery you got some action and adventure uh paddington lives a a, a wild day-to-day though like riding riding the the horse the dog and everything and he just runs into a lot of mischief honestly but yeah it was good it was really really good the you one thing Anderson, i want to see of, uh, paul fantastic king. mr fox good oh yeah yeah i want to see paul king now venture out because what's interesting i think about this movie and i haven't seen wonka which he also directed but like his the action scenes that are shot in this movie I think he can punch up if he does something else. Like the the way they shoot, like the dog chase, like the scene where he's chasing Hugh Grant, and then you have the mm-hmm. prison escape scene, and then you have the train scene. I think he can actually block action really well. And I I'd be curious to see him get something like a James Bond or like something better uh, where he can actually show. Because I think his action from a direction stance really would be strong uh, given that kind of opportunity. Yeah, because I saw Wonka a couple weeks ago, and I don't think it was similar to this, but there isn't really much action features in it since it's a lot of more musicals than anything. Who asked for another Wonka? Did anybody ask? I didn't ask Greek for it. Nobody, like whoever asked like what happened, like not even another Wonka Dean. Someone said like, <laughs> I'd like to know what happened before the factory. Like, we know how we got to the factory. Like, Which I, that could be interesting, I suppose, but I, I still have not checked it out. If anybody is not aware, let, let's do the, uh, the summary here for Paddington two. According to IMDb, Paddington is a happily settled, oh, is happily settled with the Brown family in Windsor Gardens, where he has become a popular member of the community, spreading joy and marmalade, which, by the way, I guess we'll get, I've never had marmalade. Am I missing out? That was a, was a big plot point 
Is that just like jam? Is that what that is? Marmalade? Well, we'll discuss. Uh, while searching for the perfect present for his beloved Aunt Lucy's 100th birthday, Paddington spots a unique pop-up book in Mr. Gruber's antique shop and performs a series of odd jobs to buy it. But the book is stolen, and it's up to Paddington and the Browns to unmask the thief. At no point does it mention Paddington's a bear, by the way. Like, am I supposed to know that? That Paddington's a bear? Did you, you not know Paddington was not a bear? No, I did, but it, it, in the storyline, it didn't say, like, Paddington, a bear, is happily settled. Like, they just assume you know that, I suppose. But there you go. That That is a summary. Uh, Marmalade, have you guys, is that the same thing as Lady Marmalade, or is that totally different, too? Is that two different things? <laughs> is there, I, like, what is when, I was a, when I was a kid, uh, I remember, because my family would love Florida trips, and so we'd eat a lot of breakfast buffets, like Shoney's. And I remember I was obsessed with the difference between yeah, yeah. jelly and j- jelly and jam. Isn't marmalade similar to jelly? Uh, I don't know. I don't, is it I, just like a like a like a preserve? Like a like it's got like the fruit in it. Like it actually. I, has I figured it was jelly. Yes, with whole fruit. It has ch- chunks of the fruit in it. Okay, it's all part It'll of the same jelly. coaching tree, though. I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, Marmalade is a fruit preserve made from the juice and peel of citrus fruits, fruits boiled with sugar and water. Well, we saw that. We saw him, uh, uh, Paddington. Spoiler alert. He ends up in jail. Yeah, uh, Brendan Gleeson, also delightful in this movie. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Knuckles. He's very good. He's the guy from that uh, recent Irish movie. I can't think of the name of it for some reason. Well, he's done several of those, I guess, uh, Irish movies where he plays. <laughs> I shouldn't say he just plays an Irish guy. He plays himself, right? He's Irish. But there you go. Um, yeah, the whole cast was was pretty spectacular. I didn't know who the person was that was voicing. Uh, uh, ben uh, Ben Winshaw. Where do I know that person from? Uh, he is in the Bond movies. Uh, he's Q in the modern Bond movies. Uh, what I'm trying to think of what else you would know him from. Um, but the, I know him from the Bond movies. He's the new Q. Sally Hawkins plays the mother. and She's uh, from several movies. Shape of Water, probably the one that people yep, probably Shape know. of Water. Yeah, which is... Uh, that's a wild movie. What's the Happy Go Lucky? That's kind of a fun movie that she was in that she was pretty good. If you like Sally Hawkins, but uh, yeah, solid cast, uh, thoroughly enjoyable. Like you said, it looked awesome visually, Rich. Um, and it didn't like. There's some like life lessons in here. Sure, they sneak a couple life lessons in here for the kids. Sure. And there's a, there's a moment where you're like, uh, wait, are they gonna kill Paddington? <laughs> They're not gonna kill Paddington. The kids can't handle. There's a split second. It's like, no, this can't happen. Like there. It was close though. I, 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 I sat, I sat up and literally yelled, "He can't die! Like he can't! He can't! <laughs> this is not what Rich warned me about. He can't die." Yeah. Also, like, there's got to be another sequel, right? At some point, we have to see more of Paddington uh, getting the more shenanigans, I, so. I suppose. But uh, Hugh Grant was like the bad guy. Awesome and, dude. Uh, he was very good. He was very, very good. good. And that was, I was thinking of Hugh Grant and thinking of him playing the bad guy, and like that that story about. Uh, the Daily Show, hey, he was banned for The Daily Show because he was just too much of an asshole. Like uh, John Stewart, just banned for The Daily Show. And are you guys aware of this story or no? But I, I think this movie got Hugh Grant kind of back on track because uh, he talked about like this. I've seen him talk about like this was like his favorite movie to make of like roles in. And you look okay. at since he did this, like he's good in The Gentleman. He's really good in that. Uh, he's HBO good series with uh, he's the good in Glass movie? Onion. Yeah. I haven't seen Wonka to know if he's he, in that. Obviously, they he, wrote it back, I can but. attest he stole the show in Wonka. So, like, I feel oh. like this movie kind of got Hugh Grant kind of back, like, to being fun. Yeah, he was he was very good in this movie for sure. What's the what's the TV show I'm thinking of that was on HBO? 
that just came out in the last couple of years or so. You guys know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. I'll I find it on the I'm trying to, on, on HBO. He's it's also really, on he, Dungeons and Dragons. He's really good too. I've not seen that. You must be talking no. about the Undoing. I did not see that. Yes, uh, yeah, that, that, that's what I'm thinking of. That, that was very good. I would, I would recommend it. Yeah, if you like, I did good, uh, not to not, not to pander more. I did rewatch True Detective season one last week in between the show, and how uh, is it? Holds it? Up. it holds up. It's still absolutely incredible. There's that one scene, like in episode three or episode four, and you probably know exactly what I'm talking about, John. The like fight? A two, yeah, it's like a two or three minute like one shot that is insane. It's incredible. Yeah. Like one of the greatest like shots of like two minutes ever, ever filmed for, for TV Very, or for, for cinema, for whatever. Similar to the John Wick 4 drone shot. Oh, I haven't yeah, seen that, that yet. Dragons brought the shotgun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty it's it, a good team. Dane, that's, that's your assignment since you won the contest is watch all four John Wicks. I've seen a couple of them. Uh, is he still in the fourth one? Is it still a dog? I mean, I, you know, I like dogs just as much as the next guy. <laughs> like, we got to make four movies about it? Or is it he's moved on to something else? Each each evolved, though. That's the best part about it. There is a, there is actually a, like, tangent storyline. Yeah. Well, it's like three hours, too. Like, three hours of John Wick seems like a lot. Should have made it six. I'd be I'm, all... I've Dean, heard it's Dean, I do have a, uh, a, a Robism. You know, Rob is usually on the show, and he talks about yeah. About the movie, right? Sure. Fun the, fact. The, the writer, yeah, the writer of the books, his name is Michael Bond. He actually died on the last day of filming of this movie. Oh, wow. Wow. I hope he was old. Just, yeah, I believe. I mean, he, I yeah, he, he wrote the life. books. Yeah. I, I have mean, no idea I mean, how old the books are. The books he had are to be close to, he had to be close to 90, right? Like 90s. Because those books, these, the, the Paddington books are old. Are, is there a I third book? How many Paddington books are there? Oh geez, I think there's more than. Oh, so I can I can then go read them to find out the conclusion after Paddington Two. Well, I don't think the movies follow the books, right? Like oh, it's damn. just like him in hijinks, right? I just I'm just googling if there's going to be a Paddington. There's, like, there, there's Paddington like there's right? like dozens of books. Like it's Pat, like oh, children's geez. books. It's Game of Thrones. Yeah, uh, I mean it's not like Game of Thrones at all, but <laughs> they're like ten pages, man. Like, like, like pages. this guy's the George R. R. Martin of uh, um, Paddington. Pad- Paddington three, Paddington in Peru comes out January seventeenth, twenty twenty five. Okay, yeah, all right. That's the um, that's the report. I want an R rated Paddington. <laughs> I'm okay, guessing down. that won't happen. <laughs> they're not gonna make the leap, but uh, yeah, it was. It was it was a fun you know fun it, I was interested I was and it, it was sweet at the end it's sentimental uh, I don't know if we spoilers no spoilers or whatever you can just yeah spoiler alert Rob Rob would do spoiler alerts I cried twice uh, once whenever he was on the phone and said goodbye in the rain and hung it up and for a split second there it seemed like that was going to be it and I started bawling my eyes out and then at the end which it was so obvious I shouldn't even cry this one but. Of yeah. course, spoiler alert when Aunt Lucy because shows they stuck up. it, man. You knew it, yeah. they stuck it because you knew it was happening. Uh, that was the second time, and then we got the good follow up though with you, you Grant closing out the movie. Wait, there's a is there a, is there a hidden scene that I'm unaware of? Did uh, you the, stay through the credits theme? You gotta stay no, the you, you gotta give me a heads up for that. Uh, there's, there's, a, there's a hidden. Cl- uh, you're gonna love it too. There's a hidden uh, Hugh Grant story. Oh, there is more than a hidden Hugh Grant gem. Yeah. How did you not give us that heads up? It's not a hidden. It's not hidden. It's like simultaneous to the credits. Like, 
Oh, they, the, the credits start showing like the pictures walking through the timeline and yeah. then it gets into a clip in the court with Hugh Grant closing out the movie. Did not watch. I just, yeah, I just, no. I, I they got a reason out. to watch it again. Go back for All two right. minutes, Dean. <laughs> All right. I have to, yeah, now I'm curious. I, I missed that because I'm like, wait a second. I don't think, uh, I don't think I saw the, the hidden scene. I will say it's great. You know, I got to see a lot of new movies this year for us adding this. I know people are probably in or out on this segment of the show that we, we sure. added over the course of last year, but uh, it's been fun to kind of just kind of watch a goofy movie or whatever and kind of just riff uh, after the football stuff. It's been enjoyable. Mm-hmm. We uh, we could play like the Rotten Tomatoes game or the IMDb game where we already kind of we know, kinda know right? Like it's yeah, so outrageous. Weird. Um, but yeah, I, I have it in front of me. Uh, got you want to guess Rotten Tomatoes score from the critics and from the audience? Uh, Rich, you go first. About uh, 253 critics, over 5,000 audience members have rated Paddington 2. Right now, I isn't mean, it like 98 or 99 percent? Like, it has, it has one official thumbs down, I think. Like, it has one official bad review. I gotta find that bad review. Um, yeah, let me see if I can. I remember it was a big deal because it lost its perfect score and it was like it was in the, it, you know, like was on, like it was a big deal. I got it. You, you want me to read it for you? It's, I don't want to share some of the, the negativity. Let's go give people the other side here. So, just, just, you said there's just one. This is the first one I found that has a green tomato. And it's pretty funny how this first is Justin Brown from Medium Popcorn, which like, I guess is a website. I don't know. Uh, fake, as a man who is dead, as a man who is dead inside, I couldn't fully <laughs> buy into the world of Paddington, but I watched it with my son and he did enjoy it, which is something, just not for me. Well, there you go. <laughs> Two out of five. <laughs> Get inside, Justin. That's 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 an interesting open. Like at least he's conceding that, like, hey, I'm dead inside. This is not for me. Is that what it is? It 99%? It is 99% on, okay. on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. What's the audience score? probably just as good, right? Like 90, 95? Not as high. Really? Not as high. More people are dead inside, according to the audience. Oh. I was going to say 87? 88. 88% on Rotten Tomatoes. Well, the sample size is probably a lot bigger, right? You said 250 reviews from critics, and it's probably in the thousands, right? For 5,000 plus ratings, yeah, for the, the audience. And the IMDb score is what, Rich? Scale one through ten. Uh, it's gotta be like an eight two. Cause remember IMDb, like it's hard to get, like you're not you don't get like nines and tens there. No. Uh, Rob John? is much better at this game than me. I'll go seven nine. You know, it's probably higher than that. I'll stick it with seven is, nine. It's a seven eight, which makes me wonder like oh. what's the highest IMDb score out there? Because seven eight. I thought this was one of the highest rated movies, you know, around basically, but uh, uh, reviews, I, but I think ratings like on IMDb, I would say like, there's only, I bet there's like four to six movies that have a nine on IMDb, right? Like Shawshank definitely is one, right? What is Shawshank? Shawshank is a nine, three. It's the highest yeah. one on the board. Uh, the second one is the Godfather nine, two. Okay. Uh, Dark Knight nine, Godfather two, nine. 12 Angry Men, the original, not the Showtime remake, 9. Uh, Schindler's List, 9. Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Pulp Fiction, 9, 8, 9. So that's it. There's only five nines or above. Yeah, it's hard to get like a, a 9, 10 score there. Wow. That's... All uh, deserving. Yeah, I mean, I, I 
Lord of the Rings. I I did not enjoy Lord of the Rings. I had to watch the first one. I lost a bet. Yeah, it's and not. I was it's not miserable. for me. I get it, but it's not for me. Yeah, some people like it and, and great. If whatever, if they, I don't want to kill anybody's joy out there. If that, that's your thing, by all means. I it's see in Justin. the chat. <laughs> in the chat, uh, they're talking about the Winnie the Pooh horror version. I guess I could come talk, talk about an R-rated version of uh, Paddington. It's my son seen a- that. Uh, I did not see it. My son saw it. Three percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Good. And there's a sequel, I believe. Just, like they're making another one. I think what happened is that I think Winnie the Pooh has been around for so long that it became like public use. I think that's what happened, like public domain. Is yeah, and why- did you see that? So that also they're making a horror movie of Steamboat Willie because that became available. Right? <laughs> Steamboat Mickey? Is it Steamboat Mickey? Steamboat, Steamboat Mickey. Mickey. Steamboat Mickey. Yeah, my bad. I said Steamboat Willie. Uh, Steamboat Willie is something, right? Like that's well, it's like something. a video game, right? Like a Mickey Mouse is like an evil character or something well, like that. Yeah, so Steamboat Steamboat Mickey became public uh, domain, and like they're making some kind of horror movie with that now. Your uh, your son's hanging out in chat, says he's pumped for the sequel. For probably the is made for him. <laughs> All right, this is the time where you normally say, "Okay, now let's uh, let's assign a movie," but that's it. We're done. We yeah, do if you still want to give us one on the way out, I will watch it over the next. It could be our week one uh, next year if you remember <laughs> it. Oh man, uh, did, have you guys seen the lobster before? I have. I've I been trying to push the lobster. Oh, I, you would. I think. What do you ben think? Winshaw's Rich, the job like the lobster. lobster. I think. Dean, say it again. I think Ben Winshaw is in the lobster. Is he? Okay. It all sort of ties together. That's one of those movies that's just kind of wild, but nobody ever talks about. But uh, I'll still watch it. I mean, I have watched everything we've given each other, and I enjoy it, even when they're bad, even when they're Fat Man and Money Plane. Well, maybe not Money Plane, but everything else I've enjoyed. I'll never forgive Dean for Money Plane. <laughs> no, I look. I very clearly was trying to steer you guys away from Money Plane and was trying to get you on the bed. It sounds good. Really. It's deceiving. Um. Yeah. I, I. I was just as upset as you guys. Just so you know. Oh, that's Yorgos Lanthimos. Who's like that guy's on fire. He's got the. I haven't seen the new movie. He just pumped out this year with uh, uh, Emma Stone. But supposedly that's supposed to be pretty good. But that guy's got some yeah, wild things. Yeah. yeah. I haven't seen. Have you seen Poor Things? I haven't seen. No. I, I've heard it's good though. Yeah. He did the. Do favorite, you haven't seen anything really outside of what you guys have given me. I'm finally gonna see some <laughs> stuff in the next yeah. couple of weeks. Your queue right now is backed up. You have a lot of things by the time the NFL season's over. Do you, you know, know how well, amazing it was to do four games this week? Yeah. Oh, you must have loved it. You're, ba- you're. I mean, you're. Yeah, you're cruising now. Now it's just bigger, four games. So I mean, I do make the worksheets, and the they they're they're bigger and like they're more robust. Uh, but it's still only doing four of them compared to sixteen. Oh, I don't even. I, mean, I, I, I don't imagine. even write, and like all of my research notes were done on, but in two hours on Monday or no, two hours on Tuesday, I was like, "This is the life. Like, this is the absolute best." All How many life. hours, Rich, uh, for the worksheet on like a no? There's no buys. It's week four, <laughs> whatever it is. How many hours does that take you? Typically, days. Uh, yeah, sixty. Jeez, man, that's. <laughs> That's so much. That's so long. So yeah, I literally, must- I literally work all day Monday, all day Wednesday, uh, eight to like two in the morning on probably eight, eight a.m. to two in the morning, probably both those days, and then Wednesday morning till afternoon time to get if it's a sixteen game slate. I always, I always know when you're done because that's when you first promote it Wednesday afternoon. It's like, oh, he's early today. It's like noon. Yeah, Sometimes I mean- it's Wednesday around six p.m. I, I take pride in it, though. I mean, obviously, there's uh, other stuff that's come out like over the years that, that to push it. Uh, you know, uh, 
know, Evan obviously had his Hallmark article. Uh, then you had tags do the primer that now Derek Brown has taken over and you see the quality of that. Some that's a free article. And if that's going to be a free article, I've got up my game and make something I've got to be better than that. So like I, I credit to those guys that put out those great articles and push me, but I do take a lot of pride that it's the first, it comes out before anything else in the week. Uh, I don't get influenced by anyone's opinions. I do the research, put stuff out. And then uh, I get to share the initial stuff on this show every Wednesday. Yeah, that's, I mean, there's definitely a, a value to that, to just kind of like be in your own bubble and just like, this is what I got. And I'm sure it's interesting to see what everybody else throws out there. And it's like, well, that's, you know, I have something distinctly different. Well, the, the NFL has changed so much further when I first did this article. I mean, I started this article 10 years ago and I've been doing, and you just see the access of information that we have and you see the specific data that people look at, right? Like now we're in an area where, your different content creators are operating with different data sets. So they have something that they, they focus on that's important to them. Right. And you see, like, if you listen to Karain, he's talking about a certain thing. Ben Gretsch is talking about a certain thing and stealing signals. Like I said, Debra or like, you know, even when me and Dago come on the show, like there's different stuff that like everyone is involved in and they kind of use as like their signal that they want to share to everybody. All it's, right. Uh, that's what like, yes, the information and, the amount of content, I understand it's 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 wide out there. It's getting condensed, but uh, that's what I tell everyone is that it's we still have us. Like you still have your brain. That's what makes us unique. So that's why it's so important to lean on yourself because no one can replicate that. No matter how much data the same we're looking at. Do you want to thank producer Steve, uh, producer Rob, the people out there? Uh, of course. Oh, we we didn't put an official score on Paddington too. My bad. Uh, we have to put a tight end on it. One last score. We got to give it a score. One, one last time for a score. Uh, John, you want to go first? Paddington two. I believe I gave Money Plane a one point five. So <laughs> let's bump it up a hair, and let's finish with a fair eight point five, which is rewatchable, very enjoyable. Nothing broke nine this year, even sideways. I'll give it a B plus. I thought it was really, really good. It just surprised me because I knew it was supposed to be really good. I know critics like it, but I also know similar to that critic, I wouldn't say I'm dead inside, but it's not necessarily for me. Uh, you know, I know this is not, it's not necessarily targeted to me, but I thought it was really, really well done for what it was. Uh, Rich, one last time. Do you have a tight end? Uh, yeah, this end? is a tough one for a specific tight end. Cause I didn't want to like give it like a goat tight end. And like, I didn't want to do like Gronk because it doesn't have a debauchery. Like Gronk needs to be associated. We haven't Gronk a movie yet. Uh, so I'm going to save him for something special. I just trying to think of like a very enjoyable tight end. And I think it's a Greg Olson, right? I think it's just Greg Olson. It's just a really good, just you want that guy on your team and you know he's good and now i'm enjoying greg olson the commentator so i think greg olson, just 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 greg olson i was between like greg olson or like a dallas clark but i think greg olson fits greg did you olson consider picking sense. a chicago bear did, that, did you ever you ever consider going through chicago bear tight ends hey, oh, greg olson. Yeah, you know, uh, like a ditka we could have done like ditka or i'm what other good bears tight ends were there shit man like <laughs> Was Greg Olson a, a bear? I care. He was a bear, technically. He started. He started. Oh, Greg Olson was a bear. Then he started. Hold on. Yeah, he started his career in Chicago. Yeah, he was drafted by the Bears. Yeah, yeah. Greg. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. First three or four seasons. It that's right. That's what I thought Dean was getting at sarcastically. Yeah, I yeah, no one no. really associates with Greg Olson the bear, though. No, like, yeah, everyone forgets. Yeah, everyone's associated with Greg Olson the panther, but absolutely, Greg Olson, we nailed it. We're he was on. Here. He was on the same squad as. 
Uh, who was that? Cutler, right? Was he on Cutler teams? Wasn't that receiver Bernard? Who was that Bernard guy? Bernard Barian? That's it. Yes. I thought the guy was a lion. Wasn't a lion? And, uh, he was. Well, Bernard Barian that I'm thinking of. And didn't they have uh, Devin Oramashadu or whatever? Uh, that, you remember that dude? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Gosh, it's been so long. 2007 to 2010, Greg Olson was a bear. Yeah. Uh, most touchdowns ever uh, in a season, eight in 2009. Uh, he did have seven in 2015, probably with Cam, I'm assuming. Did you see he got on Schefter? Schefter tweeted about going into week 18 that Kelsey needed 16 yards to like have like eight straight thousand yard receiving, a thousand yard receiving seasons, and like no tight end had done it more than like twice. And Greg Olson like quote tweeted me, he's like, hey man, what about me? Because I, <laughs> I think Greg Olson had three straight thousand yard receiving seasons right with Carolina. 2014 2015 2016 1008 mm-hmm. in 2014 so we just got there but yeah oh, three okay. in a row so let's say yeah scoreboard um all right <laughs> to let the people know where you're gonna you're gonna be hibernating both of you guys probably to some degree once the season i still were uh, right in these last three games but uh i know it's unfortunate for a lot of people the since they didn't know what to do with the worksheet they did put it with like the playoff like gambling package so i know a lot of people that read read the worksheet about out for the playoffs because it's tied into uh, like a premium product. So you still can get one game per game, one game per week free. And uh, a good section of each game is still free before you get paywalled out. But, you know, check it out if you still want to uh, get some in-depth stuff. John, tell the people where they can find you in the offseason. Or you'll, you'll still cut more games to go, obviously. There are, yeah. And I know a lot of people from this show, from other regions have reached out, um, just asking me what's next and whatnot. And the all details are being finalized. It may not even be out till after the Super Bowl, honestly. But just know everyone's in good hands. I'm really enjoying reading more, playing a lot more Zelda. I look at the world now and try to connect and try to fuse everything together. Mm. Uh, Zelda has officially broken my brain on how I view video games. So that's what I'm working on right now, and life is good. Uh, You can tune in to Not Jay Daigle on Twitter, even though, again, it's the divisional round. You're probably there already, but I will have an announcement soon enough. You never feel dumber in your life than playing Zelda and then going on the internet and seeing what people built. Like I haven't like, done that yet because I keep running past the construction sites and I don't want to dive into that yet. I'm kind of scared. Oh, trust me, dude. Whatever you're thinking in your head, it's way better. Like people were able to build like airplane, like boats and everything. Like you're just like and like I'm like just you're trying to like stick like logs together and build bridges dude. and shit. Like I never felt more dumb than going on and seeing like what people were able to. To, to do i'm only it's still so early like i'm sprinting around hyrule learning a lot of new rules within the game i'm only on like my eighth or ninth temple and my girlfriend the other night like i was sitting there on the same puzzle for a couple hours and she just finally said i think you hate this game i was like no i am just very determined to figure out how these wheels work and i can't figure it out yet i'm afraid to make the leap i i'm one of those people that played the old school zelda games you know the gold cartridge that they the the coveted gold cartridge, and I've not played the new versions, you know, that the graphics I've really? seen look completely insane. I'm, just, I'm intimidated, though. It sounds Dean, so hard. Like, Dean, Breath of the Wild, I'm telling you, if you just, like, go in mind open, like, it blew my mind how amazing it was. Just the world is literally yours. There's no direction. The game is yours. Run around wherever you want. Learn everything. Experience. Man, it's so good. It is so good. We will have to give it a shot. Maybe we'll have some extra time when the NFL season's officially over uh again do want to appreciate y'all listening hit that like button do subscribe do turn on those notifications if you're not already of course you are but follow john follow rich uh john look forward to that message i'm Thanks, sure everyone. bigger bigger and better things 
going forward. For producer Rob, producer Steve, John, Rich, everybody out there listening, for Greg Olson, for Paddington, that was Dean. Go win something here in the final week of the show. Join the Listener League, too. Last week of the Listener League, join it, win something, let me know, and we'll get you a month free, a premium. We're out of here. 